What is it you love most about Gracie? She always knows what she wants. She's unapologetic. This month on Movie Night Extravaganza, we're covering many of the biggest Oscar nominees. Most of these entries are nominated for Best Picture. They all have various awards they're nominated for. Tonight we're doing something a bit different and looking at a film that was almost completely snubbed from the Oscars. This is despite being nominated for all the Critics' Choice Awards, five of the Golden Globes, including Best Picture, Musical, or Comedy. A weird one, since I'd argue it's neither a musical or comedy. It is an Academy Award-nominated film for Best Original Screenplay, and Sammy Birch and her husband, Alex Mechanic, who have written and co-directed several short films but never written a feature until now, definitely deserve that at least. But it was kept out of all the other categories. I'm talking about Todd Haynes' May December. The film stars Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore. The script always ended at graduation. It was always, I think, described as two generals kind of meeting on the battlefield in white. That was beautiful, wasn't it? It was. And it's based on the story of Mary Kay Dishernew, the teacher who was arrested and convicted for sleeping with her sixth grade student, who impregnated her and she had his daughter while awaiting sentencing. She was in prison for three months and no contact with the kid for life. But then she was caught in the car with the kid, again, breaking her plea agreement and getting sentenced for another seven and a half years. She had another daughter of his while in prison. They then got married and lived as a family until they separated one year before her death in 2020. Traditionally, a May-December relationship is an older person and a younger person, and this is definitely a subversive use of the term. I wanted to set that tone on the title page, that this is subversive. It's a very human story. The idea of getting a look closer at the tabloid culture of the 90s and how it has seamlessly transitioned into this true crime frenzy. However, May-December is not an exact adaptation of the story but is rather loosely based on it and works as a metafilm. Natalie Portman plays a fictional TV actress named Elizabeth Berry, who arrives in Savannah to meet and research the atherton Yo family. Gracie Atherton, played by Julianne Moore, is the Mary Kay character. I have a lot of questions for both of you, but please, please tell me if this is not the best time. It's as good a time as any. Great. Thank you. I wanted to ask you about the box and the package. What about it? I mean, is that a routine occurrence? <laughs> I mean, it's a lot less than it used to be. Mm. 
Elizabeth is working on a movie where she's going to play Gracie and, as a solid method actress, is going around to all the locations where the illicit affair occurred. I think it's good that, in this case, they scrapped the idea that Gracie was the kid Joe's teacher and instead have her working above him at a pet store. Joe is a schoolmate of Gracie's first son, Georgie, making them the same age. Elizabeth is also the same age as Joe. Throughout this movie, we have conversations about the purpose of movies like this. For what? For the movie. So people can see it and understand you. And maybe it's more easy for you. For me? For us. Dramatizing real-life scandals and affairs and the psychological impacts that can have. Of course, just the presence of Elizabeth prying into their lives as a constant presence with an agenda of her own is enough to make some of the fiction that this family has created to tamp down their dysfunction and to make their story more livable start to unravel. What if I wasn't ready to be making those kinds of decisions? Then one, because the kids... What would that mean? I don't understand what you're saying. I'm saying, what if I was too young? As Elizabeth pushes buttons and interviews everyone from Gracie's ex-husband and first family to her press-hungry lawyer to her neighbors. Elizabeth is also creating fictions of her own. She has a fiancé, but is also willing to use her sexuality both on the film's director and on unwitting Joe. But in some ways, that's also us as an audience, right? We sit in judgment of these tabloid scandals while also devouring them, consuming the sexualized stories. Absolutely. I think there's like a, a very active uh, participant, uh, you know, you're very actively participating in, as an audience member. These stories are much more complicated and require far more gray area than Hollywood or the tabloids can really provide. And in the end, each of these one-dimensional tabloid stories are somebody's three-dimensional lives. It's a little more complicated than that. You're gonna do what you're gonna do, but <laughs> stories like these stories, stories. Oh, you know what I mean? Instances. This is of severely traumatic beginnings. This isn't a story. This is my fucking life. Like all of us, I'd assume Gracie is somebody different to each person in her life. She has a complicated relationship with her first family, especially her first son, Georgie, who is permanently traumatized by it. But Joe is still devoted to her, as are their three children. She is a good neighbor, and her neighbors are more protective than you might think. Some of this, like Joe's devotion, is perhaps built on a fictional foundation, but is a tangible part of her life. We're also reminded about how dishonest the search for a motive could be in stories like this. At one point, Georgie claims her mother was sexually abused by her brothers and offers to provide illusory evidence to back that up. This is an exchange for a job working on the film. I read about this job of um, music supervisor. Yeah. I could do this job. Pick out songs for movies? I'd pick great songs. <laughs> but easy answers are not always true answers. All of this, I think, points to how dishonest and how complicated the entire process of simplifying somebody's life for the media can be. I hope you didn't think that disgusting brother thing was real. What? Disgusting. I don't know what he's doing telling you these things. He told you? I talk to Georgie every day. Tonight's show is brought to you by Yabiga. A Balkan Rockia spirit. Go to yabiga.com to order a bottle tonight. 
Anyway, before I introduce the panel, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Hit that bell to get notified whenever we're streaming. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live stream, send us a super chat, which helps me keep the show running, which I am obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash extra. All of our after parties are on there forever. We also have a new Discord and a Letterboxd HQ account, so those are two more places to follow along with us. Links are in the description. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Conan Neutron, host of Britonic Reversal, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends, neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends has a new split LP with Lung, Adult Prom, available now on Bandcamp. Christina Oaks is streaming on Twitch at Cosmopolitics, twitch.tv slash Cosmopolitics. Also recently joined YouTube, she's on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Cosmopolitics. Send her some subs on Twitch, and send her a coffee. This month for the Oscars, Conan and Christina are co-producers. We will have both show and after-party content that they've produced, so follow along. ...in the Discord, as well as watch parties on Mondays in the Discord. J. Andrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, artist for Give Them an Argument, co-host for Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. K.T. Baldessaro is an actress, director, and writer who co-wrote and directed and also starred in Girl in the Basement, along with appearing in quite a few horror movies. You can also catch her voice acting in the scripted podcast series, The Starwell Foundation, an audio drama set in the city of superheroes, wherever podcasts are listened to, and her new film podcast, What If I Don't Like It? New episodes bi-monthly. Lauren Schwinnard is a writer and social media strategist who writes film reviews for Merry-Go-Round Magazine and is on Letterboxd's Lonely Goat Herd. I, of course, am your host, Forrest Miller. I don't even have anything funny to say. This is a movie about a pet store pedophile, and it was snubbed. <laughs> Just a statement of facts, but you're not oh wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to say to joke around? Like, there's no... <laughs> I guess the one the one I can come up with off the top of my head is I could be the pet shop owner. that uh-huh. Did not deserve that bad media, but somehow kept the fucking clipping that right. uh, has him on the front cover of the local newspaper because he's like... I, this is the story. The paper. Also, don't touch the bait. That was his only instruction. Really? That's the only instruction? Okay. <laughs> just don't touch it. You got to get your degree. You got to become a masturbator. Can I just say that <clears throat> a lot of people are like, well, this is ripped from the headlines. This this movie's ripped from the headlines. I'm like, here's the thing. Lifetime, the Lifetime Network is the, these are ripped from the headline stories. So it's if you right, want to yeah. watch a real movie by Mary Kate Letourneau's stuff, Lifetime has like a few movies about it, so go watch that instead. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I and I don't, and that's what I think is so fascinating about this movie. By the way, first of all, uh, welcome back, Lauren. It's it's been a long time. Hey, long time. I know. I'm super happy to be back for this incredibly uncomfortable movie. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you so much for having me. It's a departure from Barbie. That's for uh, sure. for sure. A little bit, just a little bit. Except uh, for when uh, you know when when Barbie got Ken behind the Mojo Dojo Casa house, and then you know we we don't know what happened, but Barbie. We don't know what happened. <laughs> That's you have to get the DVD for that or the Blu-ray, whatever. Uh, KT, welcome back to you. It's, it's also good to have you back. Good on, to be always. back as well. Yeah. I love that we have uh, two actresses on for this because uh, that, that's that's yeah. very awesome to me. Um, but I would not be interested in like a straight biopic of that story personally. I just don't like biopics. Sure. Yeah, we, yes. Yeah. Well, Agreed. it's one of those things. It's one of those things where you have to dance around it so much that it's He's like, like twelve, especially, especially with Lifetime, where they're just churning mm-hmm. out this fucking yeah. garbage, right? Like, 
right. how like nobody at the Lifetime Network is capable of giving like a you know like a nuance, but also like a hey, this is a bad thing. This is rape, kind of. They're they're currently movie. working on VC Andrew stuff, and anyone knows who VC Andrew is knows all about what her novels were like. Incest. It's- it's just C student salaciousness is, is what the, is what that kind of stuff is. And and that's one of Todd Haynes is so good at a certain specific thing. And yes. if you it's usually someone in a domestic situation where there's some uh you know something to skew or, or some, some deep unhappiness or, or some but it's it's never like huge danger, but he does such a great job with people in complicated situations. He really has like such an amazing way of directing things that kind of feel hazy. Like they just yes. feel like very hazy and dreamlike and um and delicate even when the tensions are extremely high. Like that's really how I felt when I watched Safe for the first time. Oh my god. Yeah. Um it was just that like extremely disorienting um you know experience but also in a very weird way peaceful. Um which is totally kind of what you get here as well just like mm. so he could it's set so he could probably great. direct a movie about jonestown then <laughs> what? you're really coming around for this one huh let's pitch it <laughs> i know exactly yeah, she's it. practicing her pitch on on air uh yeah. no. one one thing about this movie though. Uh, real quick real quick oh, yeah. i did love julianne moore and todd hands have worked together so often and have yeah like, th- over the years oh my gosh i know i feel and like they speak the same language they just like are really clicked in with each other I just want to set that get that out of the way right now because I, I, I'm not sure we'll get back to it. But I, it's one of those great like director and actor actress pairings. I just I'm like yes, keep doing that. Please. We're definitely gonna get to it because uh, they talk about it in multiple clips that I pulled. Okay, okay, but, uh, I wasn't sure. But, uh, <laughs> Guaranteed. All right, we're good. So we're good. Sammy Burst, they wrote this right. Like it's her first, her and her husband. It's their first like feature length screenplay. Why is there so much of that this year? I love it. That's great. Yeah. Wait, so, first timers. So, this is kind of fascinating. The um, Sammy Birch, I guess, like who she was the main screenwriter. Her husband and her came up with the story mostly. Yeah. But um, she was the casting. Her mom was a casting director, like a, a really, really famous casting director. Okay. So she would sit and like uh, at her mom's office while she was casting all these movies, which is why you get such a great like casting scene where you know um, Natalie Portman's looking at all of the actors that are trying to play like the kid. You know what I mean? And oh, and, and she's, uh, she's like, oh, they're not hot enough. Yeah. So, so it's awkward like, oh, come on. So Sammy Birch ended up being the like the assistant location director for uh, I don't know I have a, I have a clip where she kind of talks about her title but okay. for the Hunger Games she was the locate one of the oh word okay for huh. the um so this is this is a clip that I fucking pulled where she's talking about I think <laughs> this part of it but she ended up she ended up uh, helping like uh, with with the Hunger Games like location scouting. It's yeah. it's kind of I think. What makes especially Gracie a fun character to write because um, there's so much denial. There's so much denial of reality and um, the gap between what she's saying and, and what we feel is so vast that it it's, can be really physically uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, it looks physically uncomfortable to be Charles Melton in this film. Yeah. <laughs> but also I was thinking when this goes even for the character of Elizabeth that Natalie Portman plays, she comes into this film speaking the language of like feelings and empathy and like talking a good game of being an emotional person. But you put in the script little moments of seeing that she's got her own complicated love life with her fiance, who she doesn't always feel like talking to and something happened with her director. And there's stuff that she's not talking about either as she's prying them 
but you show us that she's what we're seeing is not the real her necessarily either. Absolutely. I, I think the the ways in which we uh, get information about Elizabeth um, and how slowly our <laughs> our trust in her as a narrator, as an entry point, uh, starts to dissolve uh, really is, is, I think, part of the fun of of the movie. <laughs> I mean, one interesting kind of fun fact about your background is your mother was a casting director. You grew up, I think, I can imagine you as a small child with a crayon book, keeping yourself busy, being surrounded by actors trying to get Quite a part literally, yeah. in those waiting rooms. And so... And then you grew up to like do a lot of casting work yourself. You cast um, the first Hunger Games. I was the location casting assistant in North Carolina. (laughs) You basically like cast Jennifer and made her. Yeah, exactly. I found Jennifer (laughs) in a diner. (laughs) But I just love it because that makes me feel like you in particular have such a special and kind of particular insight into the world of what will people do to get a part. That's true. (laughs) That is very oddly, darkly true. I think that there's something about, um, sometimes I go, why was I there? You know what I mean? Why was I after school, like sitting in production offices? Like I would sometimes would be under my mom's desk and like, and I would hear people come in and say the same line over and over and over and over. And, and I do have weird memories of like weird women figuring, I mean, not, not just women, but I have specifics of, of, of like kind of like hot actresses being like, Oh, Hey, what are you doing? You know, like as I'm a child do my homework, you know, like they think I'm going to go in and go that girl, you should give her this one liner in Vegas vacation. Like you should, <laughs> like, it's, it's very demented. And so I think that that, that kind of energy is just so infused in, in, um, yeah, my upbringing. well yeah and you put it also I think in such good use here on the screen when you show us Elizabeth looking at the reels of young boys auditioning to play the Joe part and I think I'm so glad you wrote that scene in because for me watching this as an audience member and I'm sure people in here felt the same way that's when you kind of take a breath and you're like oh right he was that young yeah Yeah, it's a a sobering moment Um, absolutely and we tried to build in those gradually just these these reminders that kind of flip flip your stomach but also getting I we got an email of those kids those aren't their real names saying hi here's my real name here's my slate and then they start the scene and then they those are their lines so it's like the meta (laughs) (laughs) qualities of this really never stop being very strange and funny I so sounds interesting. I I think this Cassian, this is great. I didn't know who Melton was, yeah. by the way, at all. No, I had to look up uh, Chris uh, Vegas Vacation, which apparently is a real movie. Vegas. <laughs> is that uh, like? Uh, oh no, that's Viva Viva Rock Vegas. The Flintstone. <laughs> <laughs> who could forget film. one of the great great Flintstone movies? <laughs> <laughs> the only Flintstone movie? No, there, no there's people jumping. Who can forget Fred Flintstone in The French Connection? (laughs) Fred Flintstone, (laughs) French Connection. 
Yeah, but yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, yeah, it blows my mind. First of all, I, I just want to level sex. We're doing American Fiction next week, too, which is another uh, debut. Um, and we talked about it uh, like a little bit with the holdovers that, again, not that dude, the dude wrote holdovers, not a new writer he's been writing for a long time but like <laughs> as far as like hitting him the big time and and like being in a movie that's like oscar nominated and then stuff along those lines yeah big deal so i love that there's there's and this is kind of remember when we talked about everything everywhere all at once mm -hmm. and it was like oh i think this is going to be very influential in ways that we may not immediately notice and i think that this might be one of them which is they're letting some different voices in for finally yeah. although yes. still it's still a nepo baby though good point well yeah. Look, look, incremental change, Cast, right? <laughs> casting that bo baby. I cast hey, baby, yeah. You know? Uh what yeah. if I what if I cast myself? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like all oh, when people hate when directors make cameos in their own movies or like they bring like or they pull like a Scorsese and have like his mom and dad play bit parts in his films. I think that's I loved it when they did that in Moonstruck. I thought that was great. That's not even his movie. Yeah. I gotta okay. say though, casting director has always sounded to me like one of the worst jobs oh, because God, yeah. you have to you have to see like you have to see the auditions of like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. You have to get good at like seeing the auditions of hundreds and hundreds of people. You know what I yeah, mean? Right. Like because uh, we were just talking about it with uh, with the holdovers and they were talking about how they had to see eight hundred people before they got down play. to Tessa. Yeah, yeah, they had to play mm -hmm. eight hundred people just to see uh, you know the the kid that ended up finding like they found him like a. Please be school. employed, Dominic. Please, you gotta do more movies after the holdovers. <laughs> well, and it's well, it, 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 occurs to, it occurs to me that you know Julianne Moore and and again and Todd Haynes are like you know freaking two great tastes that taste great together, and this is a great role for Natalie Portman, uh, and she is she plays. I, I, I have something to oh. say about that when you're done, Conan. Sure, sure. It won't be much longer, I assure you. Uh, the, it's, I, I think she's playing a bad actress, right? So, which is hard enough in and of itself. But she's learning off of someone who's been acting their entire life and is very good at manipulating people. So she's learning off of a great actress. But playing a bad actress who's attempting to learn from a great actress is a very specific thing that... Again, for someone who's been considered a lightweight by a lot of people, usually dudes, uh, in different films that she's been in, which doesn't help some of the dialogue she was given in those Fakakta Star Wars prequels. Don't make up <laughs> to tell you, but uh, I found to be very impressive. And it makes the snubbing all the worse, yes. frankly, because it's not only Moore's great, she's pretty much always great, though. Yeah. Even in stuff that's like maybe the, the movie's specialist. not great. Yeah. Well, no, it's the assassin. Uh, sorry. He's even great in fucking 30 Rock. Yeah, or she had Alec Baldwin do the Boston accent. Oh, you? that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I told you, Jack. <laughs> but in Natalie Portman, this is a great at bat for her, where she like really delivers goods. And then this Melton kid, I didn't know him from Moses. He's fantastic in in, in this as well. So to have like all three of those performances be snubbed, as well as Haynes for director, which he's just not in the club, I guess. So I guess that's part of it. Uh, and and having stuff for best picture, et cetera, et cetera. It's just. It's maddening and also completely predictable. Okay, so Christina, what were you gonna say? Sorry, I just wanted so to. So, when this film came out, when people found out that Alec Portman was was being directed by a male director again, 
a clip of her at the Golden Globes or at the Oscars uh, with Best Director came out and she said, here are all the male nominees. And a lot of people are like, well, 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 Natalie Portman, you have yet to work with a female director, though. How right. about that? And I'm over here like, oh, my God, film Twitter is going to be the death <laughs> of me. But I'm like, you can't. It depends on what the script is. Sometimes you get a script before there's even like a director. Usually you get it like a screenwriter first. Like, you well, can't also, Tom Hanks is one of the great queer directors too exactly too like it's like he's not some just heteronormative like type yeah. of like straightforward male oh, yeah director. alpha male todd haynes right exactly well <laughs> and and she she also picked the script because um it was julianne moore and todd haynes working together yeah and yeah. like she was like a huge fan they're of like Bolton chris nolan Murphy yeah like their their like, collaboration yeah so like coming onto the script she's like yeah i'm, I'm like have to bring my a game because it's like julianne moore right. And Todd mm. Haynes. She did like, too. That's yeah. the thing. She did. And yeah, she can act. People forget about that. Yeah, and it's a multi-layered performance, and that and that comes back to uh, you know, Gina Rollins or something in uh, um, Opening Night and stuff like that, where where it's like there, there's the performance of the performance is like part of the performance mm -hmm. and things and mm -hmm. things along those lines. I, and I, I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, it's really interesting that you mentioned that, like having to do a bad performance, because I think that's it's so incredibly <laughs> nuanced. And I think that Lauren, you're going to be able to speak to this more than I can, because I once saw Billy Joel do a, a night where he was explaining that it's very hard for him to perform when people clap in the audience because it messes up his tempo because they're not on tempo. And, and he's like, so he's purposefully showing you him playing off tempo and singing off key because he's now singing to the key the audience is singing. And I had this moment of like, Jesus Christ, he's so good at this. He can do it purposefully right. off tempo. <laughs> off Doing things purposefully bad is incredibly incredibly hard singing yeah. off key when you have relative perfect pitch mm -hmm. impossible yeah. so um so i greatly respect people who who can and who can take it to that like extra camp level um yeah. i feel like that's just like a whole other skill that that i feel like <laughs> acting schools and singing schools should give you classes on how to it's like okay now you know how to do it good now do it bad break it apart you have yeah to, you, you have, have to, to know what doesn't work right okay gotta do your monologue your shakespearean monologue okay you gotta do it bad though yeah yeah he's a first year drama student I, do it dude do it. i had an instructor make me do the poem death be not proud by john dunn mm -hmm. in my queen's accent just to break me out of line. <laughs> that and i was I, like I've, i love you that. know Yes. Wow. Death be not proud. Yeah, sure. I, um, I I also I don't know how much like I don't really know anything about the background of uh, Charles Mountain, but like we talked about uh, Riverdale when we were watching it earlier. I'm on it. He's uh he's also he was like one of those he's one of those guys that they bring into like the American Horror Story uh, universes to be in like an episode or two and okay. like kind of play like a bit character. Like a that so, guy. He's he, a that yeah. guy. He's a good actor. With camp stuff and with like queer like shows like American Horror Story and stuff like that. So mm. it's interesting that that's kind of been what his um, career has been so far. That is interesting. Oh, he was in that mainstream movie too. That's a movie I, we should cover one time. Never, never freaking, I didn't know who he was. I was like, who's this guy? What's his oh, deal? Yeah. <laughs> 
I, yeah. I all, all the girls want to see it because they love him in Riverdale. I know that for a fact. That's what I found out very quickly. I was like, oh, everybody, every female friend like loves this dude. Okay, right on. I, I actually went into this not even knowing what this movie was about. Uh, oh, well, that's a shocker. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, so, so uh, why, uh, what would make somebody so bad to shit in a box and leave it on your doorstep? <laughs> oh, well, yeah. And you, oh. watched it, and, you, and you watched it today with for the first time with our, when we were watching yeah. it in, in Discord. Yeah, yeah. Well, he got but, he got um, he got in before the buzzer though, so we won't hold it against him. I was gonna say, Lauren, I think you might have hit why this is labeled a rom com on Google because you said it's so campy to purposefully do bad acting. Maybe that's what the directors were talking about. Maybe that's what they're going for because I really feel like the movie is grafted from Lifetime. And so it's like there is like a weird common DNA there that yeah. they like. Yeah, I feel like it's just it's so preposterous that how could people take it seriously? But also the subject matter is so serious that there's that like it's just so tonally disconnected. And when my friends told me to watch this movie, they pitched it to me as camp classic. And I was like, I don't know. I watched it. Like, yeah. yeah. They, they don't like, hang out with Andrew World. Yeah. I was just like, camp classic. <laughs> well, I love camp. We should do Mommy Dearest one time. There's yeah, something no, like... Um, <laughs> like, there's something very Norma Desmond in uh, like Sunset Boulevard about uh, Julianne Moore's performance. True. Yes. 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 I, uh, I actually think that's I'm ready for my really close on Mr. DeVille. Yeah. I think that that's a very, very good like analysis i one of the things that i found so interesting about um just the character of gracie is how much she just paints herself as like such a victim and right and it's just so interesting like the actual acting of you know what's going on and what like elizabeth is observing there is that she's just trying to observe what they're like in real life but those characters are not operating under real life circumstances. Yeah. They're completely Delulu. And like, because of that, that's what is just so interesting is that it's like, you have this bad actress trying to be as real as possible yeah. by following the fakest people in the world. Ever. Exactly. In this culture of the ubiquitous biopic. Right, because yes. this has definitely yeah. been the year of the biopics reckoning of like you know, and we can thank our friend Eileen Jones for that, for that as well for writing that great article on Jacobin. Yeah. I'm just like yeah. enough with the biopics, we get it already, and mm -hmm. and people actually being like, why are there so many of these, and why are so many of them so bad? Uh, but I think Lauren, that's a great point because if you look at like that exchange where it was like, well, well, who was in charge, right? Just that line alone, which is like, oh my. Why? This is the hill? This is the hill we're dying on? Have you seen the Mary Kay Letourneau? Oh, I was, that was insane. Okay, so if oh, like you- Like the interviews? You, yeah. The oh interview God, yeah. that she had where they were like pressing her on this and then Villa Falau is like so uncomfortable the whole time. You can yeah. see he wants to leave. He's like, yeah. I want to run away. But she keeps she keeps repeating it. It's almost like a freaking like- like Meisner. like it wasn't rape it oh, was sure. all consensual yeah we were not victims like, like, who was the boss she keeps saying it over and over and the more yeah. she says it the more my skin crawls it's like who was the boss who was the boss who was the boss well who was the boss there's, it, that's there's an acting be, technique tony danza there's got there's oh, got to be smart. something charles in charge and tony Danza's the boss you know? god damn no, it <laughs> damn this show no but there's <laughs> no but there's something there's something also like uh 
like she obviously died in 2020 during mm, like yeah. the, the pandemic and yeah. right before her death like a year good for her, her death, he like <laughs> her husband and family finally like after her husband tried to leave you know like 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 after he tried to leave and i think it was um like 2019 uh, or something like that 20, well no he tried to leave in 2017 filed for divorce yeah and then she lured him back into like the relationship for two more years in 2019 he finally leaves with the kids and they're like, all right, we're like, this is a toxic person. We're cutting them off. And then like literally a few months later, she goes, oh, by the way, I have cancer and I'm on my deathbed. Turns out she really and he did. he took care of her. Yeah. yeah. Until yeah. her last days. I mean, if you think about it, he was like 11, 12 years old. His brain was nowhere near fully developed. Your brain is fully developed when you're like in your mid to late 20s, like like at frontal lobe and all that. So maybe he mm-hmm. was, the older he got, the more he realized, you know, maybe there was something wrong with a 35-year-old trying to get with a 12-year-old kid. Like, maybe the older he got, the more he realized that there's something wrong with our relationship. Well, and that's where the manipulation comes in. And, like, and just the the psychological effects of grooming when you're dealing with not just, like, the age gap, but also just, like, it's very obvious from watching interviews with with Mary Kay Letourneau, and you see it reflected in in this movie in very, like, harrowing ways, too, with Gracie's character. Like, just the just the sheer manipulation of like, well, you wanted this. You were in charge. Right. You were the boss. You yeah. seduced me. Blah, blah blah. That will really like fuck with someone's head. And like the gaslighting is so real. And to have that instilled in you at such a young age, there's no way of untraining that when your <laughs> manipulator, when your abuser, at a formative age, also yeah. you're yeah. basically like your caregiver at the same yeah. time there's so many like weird role like confusion. power dynamics yeah power where she's di- more yeah. like mothering him kind of in a way too it is and, and like, which and i then, i want to go back to talking about charles Ma- i always want to talk about charles melton but like <laughs> by the way i'd be fine be mothered by julianne moore too it's okay. <laughs> but, oh my god but charles melton um i love the way that he plays this character because he's such a hunk like he's such a heartthrob i really see him as this next generation's james dean like i'm really yeah. really excited okay. to see what he does next like he has this like emotion yeah he has this like old hollywood quality about him that i just find so fascinating but what i love is um the way that he plays this role is basically like he's a t- he's in his 30s at this point he's acting like a teenager and it's like his yeah. wife is basically like his mother at yeah, this point. that's how those relationships yeah. end up yeah being like. and it's, yeah, it's, it's the, the trauma. way that he just commits to that is so fascinating to me i i'm like the mo- of all of the oscar snubs i'm the most heated about him not getting his flowers the way that i think I, yeah well and mm. yeah it's mm-hmm. again i'm angry about it that's one of the reason why we're we're covering it is so we can be yeah. angry about but it you know what's fa- yeah. <laughs> but you know what's fascinating about this like dynamic is that with the age of social media when when a teenage boy is caught with the, with one of his teachers especially the teacher's young and attractive a lot of people are like yeah you go boy yeah yeah that's what i'm talking about but yeah. if it's like a man and a teenage girl it's like ill perfect creepy i'm like it's creepy preferring no matter who no matter yeah it's still creepy the other way around yeah that's I, there's the there's that south park joke that fucking sucks but uh they they kept on having <laughs> make sure to tell it 
the kids get no they kept having the kids get killed by the teacher and then the cop was like nice or whatever every yeah because it was like because they were looking at the power dynamic between like a female teacher and a male student i I mean you get that on fox news all the time yeah that's what they were making fun of i think on revolting that you know here's a bunch of like assholes going up there yelling about grooming all the time and when you actually have an actual case of grooming Mm -hmm. you defend the fucking groomer because you think that's like some weird power fantasy you had whenever you were a kid yeah. Well, no, because yeah. when they say grooming, they just mean like gay people. Gay. Yeah, <laughs> they just mean gay. Like, yeah. They mean camp. No. <laughs> no, no, literally, they're like camp is grooming. <laughs> so I, I want to read. I want to read this and start with. Yeah, has, I was going to say I really agree with this comment. The scene with the sun on the roof, where you can see is more mature, and the rest of the development is on display, is so heartbreaking. Oh, it's so yeah. true. I, I want to. Quote that scene as to why I really feel he should have been nominated. That was so subtle and so heartbreaking. Ah, yeah. oh, man. Yeah. And, and they he, found but, a kid. The, well, like, and when he when he says the line, I'm just gonna break in like everyone else. God, I can't tell if we're connecting if I'm creating a bad memory for you in real time, but I can't. Yes. Because he's never like smoked pot, right? And he's smoking yeah. pot on the roof, and like that's like whatever. I grew up with stoner parents; it wasn't that big of a deal, but like. I mean, most people, it's a formative experience, right? And he never had that of the many things that was taken from him. Never. And he's having that with his son in with the son. Ma- power dynamic. His son is doing the father's part there. Yeah. And the, uh, his son that like looks fucking like they found an actor that looks exactly like Charles. At least yeah. they, they dyed his hair and like dressed That's what happens when the writers are casting yeah. director's daughter. Yeah. Good casting. So true. I mean, and they found some days- great locations too. Right, right. These days, Hollywood <laughs> is really finding like good casting for like, especially like House of the Dragon comes to mind with mm-hmm. Millie mm-hmm. and Emma. I'm like, that is yeah. a plus casting. Like Hollywood's getting better because remember back in the day when they had like parents and you know actors and parents, you know actors and actresses, and they were like, yeah, these are supposed to be a family. And I'm like, why is the daughter a redhead but the mother's a blonde and the, and the father looks Italian? That makes no right. sense to There's me. No Look, I'm not a scientist. <laughs> I don't know how recessive genes work. Okay, I'm yeah. just a casting director. Well, <laughs> so we- if you- if you get a picture of my family together, it literally looks like people that you paid a hundred dollars at the bus stop to come take a photo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like we talked about it briefly with like the holdovers. Um, like when like something like election came out, right? Like uh Alexander Payne was casting that and like was like taking people that were actually the age of uh actors that were because he like found you know found yeah. Chris uh I forget his last name, but and like actually at a high school, and then again for this movie, he found you know the kid from the holdovers at a high school. Like he actually cast age appropriate people at a time when like especially in the early two thousands, late nineties, they're casting like grown ass adults as teenagers, <laughs> and then people that looked nothing like them as their parents. Like I you like Spider Man. To tell me, Stalker Channing was not eighteen when she did Grease. Well, the, Everyone the, 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 I did this last summer as a 32-year-old, and I made a very convincing 17-year-old. Well, the, let me tell I, you. I feel like I feel like that the the peak of that was the fucking Sam Raimi. Spider-Man. The Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Yeah, all these all high like, schoolers are like, <laughs> we'll charitably say hairlines. Yeah, we'll charitably like say that. late twenties, uh, oh but that's God. very very. They charitable. let James Franco into high school. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to go into a high school. Period. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna get another one of these May December movies if we do. No. Speaking of that, okay, hold on, hold this real, real quick. I'm gonna get it in. I'm just gonna get it in. Heavenly creatures. The, the, it reminds me of how uh, they uh, the, the the casting for Heavenly Creatures was, was, of course, brought us Melanie Linsky 
in her mm-hmm. first role. She was literally yes. just a schoolgirl, right? But they, mm-hmm. they, that's what, uh, that's what they wanted. That's what, that's what they needed. And sometimes that's what you got to do because otherwise it's going to be someone that's too good, too professional, too acty, you know? Mm. Uh, anyway, I, just, I wanted to get that in there because it's not going to be another chance later. Christina, go ahead. Okay, guys. Which of your teachers had affairs with their students? Okay. Oh, I, I wish I had not thrown yeah. it to you, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's always the history teachers who are also coaches. Let's, I, I, God I damn it! How did you know? <laughs> Wait, so I, I had I had, a, I had a related thing what happened at my high school. What do you guys that? think of the of the fact that? And my Marxist government teacher had an affair with one of her students. I'm like, God! I'm like, really? You made me! You made me a, a fucking lefty, and you end up having an affair with one of your male students? Come on now! I uh, you know I, I like I liked the fact that in this they took it out of the realm of a school, yeah. Like, especially yes. with everything going yeah. on with like public education yes. right now, and like yeah. I, it's good that they took it out of yeah. the realm of school. And I think mm-hmm. that it's good that they bumped the age up uh, from like you know the, the kid was like eleven in the real story, and he's like thirteen in this. I think that I, makes I think it so much bad. better for us. No, but I think it makes it more palatable. Like, palatable right like well, it changes it, the focus again. Yeah. That that's the actual yeah. story, the biopic that they're making. In this movie, I would hate. Yes. I would not want to watch it. But what this is is wonderful because it shows just that predatory <laughs> nature of the actual relationship, the actual events that happen, and how it, that's used for fodder, for content, for entertainment. How predatory and, that is. And how predatory that is. Precisely. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And, and, and that is what makes this a fantastic film. And of its time. Of the yeah. time that we're like... Look, why are we like doing all these damn biopics anyway? Like again, we're, gonna, yeah. we're just gonna put a stop got, to all we, of them. Yeah, we got to do a little bit of a meta film about that. I mean, which well, I mean, to a certain degree. Well, well, sure. I mean, we're all, did you hear about the fucking Beatles thing? I'm like, we already have. A, I'm like, four. That's different Paul movies. McCartney. He has to think about his entire life before he plays. <laughs> four different movies. I'm like, that's the plot to Jersey Boys with all four of their perspectives. Like, come on now, do we? Well, the world cannot give you enough money for Beatles stuff, so that is on brand for <laughs> we have to invest in IP. We know it. And, but Conan, I wanted to ask you. You had mentioned this before, and I think we should bring it up now. Do you think that was part of the reason why the Oscars passed on this? Not just because the topic is dangerous to go near on the Oscars post, but because it kind of makes fun of what the Oscars loves to, you know, love. And and what is deemed important, right? Which, which the, the, they're always whether they're any good or not. There's always biopics in the in best picture category. It's like really, well, this is the year of fucking maestro. Yeah, did you see these movies? Because yeah, they don't really it's the year of the maestro, <laughs> like. I wasn't going to specifically name them, but two other people did, so that's fine. I, but what I'm just I'm what sorry, I'm saying that movie so much. I get it. I get it. It's fine. <laughs> what I, I just what, thought it was a Golda. This is not. Golda's nominated too for best prosthetic nose. Look, <laughs> this is why we have an after party. Uh, the whole thing with like the obsession with the biopic, and again, them being savaging people's lives to make a story. Right. And, and and again, that being a predatory act, this is not super kind to that or to acting, because if you think about like what Natalie Bortman's character is doing again, who's great, bad actress trying to be a better actress, learning off of a great actress, to be clear, uh, it's it's doesn't reflect well. And who are the people that are voting for these people in the industry? Right. So. It, it's too good. Would be upset about yeah. about this movie. By the way, speaking of uh, bad line readings, um, <laughs> it is my dinner time. Okay, it is like six p.m. on the on the West Coast, 
And the movie had me really excited about ordering a hot dog. <laughs> what a so great... That's what I'm going to be eating. What a great that music cue for so being at a hot dog. Great, great musical because here that's how I knew I was like, oh, it's on. Like when oh, you get amazing. when you get that reading and you hear like the dramatic tone, and it's like this is going to be cool. This is going to be a good movie. That's the reason my friends were like, it's a camp classic because how else could you, how else could you justify that line reading yeah. <laughs> about the fucking hot dogs? And I was like, maybe, maybe you're on to something. Maybe you're on. Maybe to December something. you're on to something. But also you have these like scenes for me, the scene where I was like, Oh, the Oscars can never really be on par. Be okay with this was the scene where she was describing to the children actors, the, the like teenage actors at that school, what it's like to kind of be maybe side of into it when you're doing a sex scene. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. yeah, like that's again. I don't know, they ask. I'm like, I'm like, okay, okay. Who, who's the also mentioned the intimacy coordinators too, the intimacy coordinators. Yeah, if like, you don't know why you need one, that scene will let you know why yeah. you need one. Yeah, but yeah, also, yeah. like, there's the hot dog scene, so I'm laughing my ass off. But then there's that scene, so I'm like trying to pull my skin off. Right, right. Wow. Yeah, and it's the same movie, and it all makes sense in the context of what. It, and that's Todd Haynes for you, right? That that's. And you don't even know who's worse, Julian Moore or Natalie Portman's character. Like you don't know which one's right. worse because because yeah, she's skating off. Those. Everyone is morally dubious in like I mean, I, I would say, intentions. I would but... say Julian Moore's character is worse, but you know, for the whole objectively, yeah, I would yeah. With you. <laughs> but but still, no, like like I like it is like morally everybody's fucked in this besides Charles Melton and like you know the kids, and I guess maybe the but the kids are so screwed up. I mean, yeah, but they, the, the abuse that they get too, like, they're, like they're, you know, yeah. they're, they're, they're more normal. Think about the kids armed, like like fuck you, woman, yeah. like. My, okay, so so one of the things I wanted to talk about with with regards to the kids being fucked up, um, probably the most like one of the most heartbreaking scenes for me in the movie is when they go to uh, get like the the dresses, like the you know the white dress, whatever. Right. Yeah, the daughter's more, trying more on the great dress. mirror work there. By the way, lots of oh great amazing! I know. Yeah. I was like, I loved the mirrors, um, just like from uh from a cinematic standpoint, also yeah. as a metaphorical, you yes. know of how people mirror each other and um i what and i thought was so, oh <laughs> it's a metaphor um <laughs> i feel like i say that on every single episode i've ever been on guys <laughs> 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 it's a metaphor um, we'll just get a drop of you saying it and then we can yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be a clip that you can just use for every episode yeah, yeah. yeah like the monkey hat yeah, yeah. Um, but what's but the uh, parasite the where he's like it's so metaphorical Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but I but that scene with the daughter when she comes out in like in the dress and she's like how do you feel in it and she's like oh I feel really pretty I feel great in it or whatever and her mom says the the words you never want to hear as a plus size woman you're so brave right you're right. so mm -hmm. brave mm -hmm. it's like those little tiny digs yeah. that you can just tell that you're like oh this person is a straight up narcissist yeah like trying to just mold the children to dress how she wants them to dress and be how she wants them to be and to pretend like everything is normal and everything is fine and it's just like it's it's there are bigger moments that really like show that throughout the movie but it's the small digs yeah. that i think make it more relatable and hurt the most to watch well when you hear that she I gave this like, a scale 
she she yeah. that she gave a scale as a gift and you hear it like in the course of a conversation not like that it even happens but it's like oh no that's that happened in the past it's like i hope you didn't do that again it's been yeah. an on it's like an ongoing thing and especially with like i don't know if you've heard of this trend it's called like almond moms this is like a thing that's going on where it's like oh if you're hungry just eat a handful of almonds and that's how they like keep their kids from getting wow. like overweight. So there's like doing a what, thing that's happening. That's, that's what. So they're doing what Killy Murphy did when he did Oppenheimer. I know. I was like, <laughs> maybe they'll be Killy great. Murphy. It'll be Oppie diet. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You heard of Kato. It's you know. the ball. And not only does she say that to them, she also then wears like sleeveless dresses all the time herself to be like, <laughs> I am better. Uh, so, uh, Katie, can you please explain intimacy coordination briefly? I am familiar with an interest in the profession. And yeah. I didn't want that to be glossed over for the audience. That, oh, everyone's looking for a yeah. new job. And, I, and I will I will say uh, we actually did cover this a bit, too, in, in our classic episode with uh, uh, Gabriel Horn uh, for Carried Away because uh, he, he right. they talk about dealing with one for, for that specific movie. Uh, right. But but go on, KT. Take it away. Oh no! I mean, if you want to, Eddie, I've talked a bunch, and you haven't quite spoken too much. I barely said anything get, because yeah, I, I have. It, you I have, know what it is. And most of it was curse words. So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I was just uh, you know, I mean, I mostly be repeating what Gabe said uh, to, to be honest with you. But um, uh, like, like the the big thing is, is, is Gabe actually has worked with intimacy uh, intimacy coordinator multiple times in uh, movies, which is really odd. I have to say, watching your childhood friend get molested in two movies. Not one, but two. Um, so, you know, uh, but but uh, yeah, uh, and and this is they're they're there to make sure that like lines don't get crossed and everybody is comfortable and that the yeah. scene is is uh, worked out uh, really nicely. Nothing um, too crazy happens with make sure the sock is on. Make sure the flesh colored horseshoe thingy's on right. You got yeah, sure the, the that weird everything's covered, uh, furry right. crotch thing that women wear. Make sure nothing too crazy happens with his uh, with his movie grandma that he's taking across. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Discusses the beats of this scene that are going to play out because like any scene, it's got blocking. But yeah. a lot of time when you show up on set for a scene like that, they kind of just feel like you'll hum a few bars. And a few <laughs> bars can be hummed beyond what you'd want to sing in a song. Yeah. So they yeah. set boundaries for everyone that is agreed upon, almost like a like a treaty, and then you work out from there. And it, it, you kind of agree with who's going to be on set too, because they want to keep it kind of small, but yeah, not yeah. too small. You know want to be a because, director. Because when I think of an speed coordinator that was needed, last tango in Paris, like last tango in Paris, yeah. I think I'm like this. Mm -hmm. I'm like yeah. that film should have had it, but they didn't have speed coordinators back then. Like you yeah. know, women were delegated. <laughs> assaulted while doing these scenes. It so was assaulted like, butter. Yeah. Yeah. In in this though, you know that like the Natalie Portman character is the kind of uh like that rare, I think probably kind of actress that would be like, no, like penetrate. Like, you know what I mean? Like she had Well, she's clearly yeah. method, right? Yeah. She's like the Jared she, Leto of whatever lifetime she's both, original picture she's yeah. making. <laughs> method and like somehow yeah, like Jared uh, Shido, like you know what I mean? She's the, the <laughs> she's from Jared. but uh, she's like both method and, and like boundaryless in a weird way. Like, yeah. like she clearly has something going on with the director that keeps casting her and stuff. Which right. I also think it's interesting. The director is Italian, uh, like you know, making mm. this and it's not quite. Or I, I don't know, if he's Italian, but he sounded it's Italian. Anti-Italian racism. <laughs> no, but like, but like you know, European standards or something like, like an Argento are probably, type are probably yeah, European than, interactions with sex yeah. are definitely different yeah. yeah yeah and so he's the one making the you know the kid getting molested by the you know 
impreg or the kid impregnating the woman movie and it's like all well, right like <laughs> so here's what i think is interesting about that scene though so first of all it shows you a little more of the character work that natalie portman's doing that's like no she's she's relishing the fact that she gets to turn this into something that's about what she wants it to be, which is as awkward as possible. And yeah. it's, and it's, it both diffuses the situation. It also shows her being a pretty manipulative, like, you know, kind of like cat with a mouse with, with these, these horny teenagers that like, mm -hmm. you know, they, they, you know, like, like whatever, like, like Mr. Skin at the barbecue crosses the line with the guy with Charles Mountain, the rate, like she crosses the line with the rape victim. Yes. It, yes. Well, th that's exactly. And that, that's, that shows goes to show you the lengths that that she will go, but you like that's your first huge like oh my god like t these are just like high school kids like what like you're just like you're going deep so to speak yeah with this huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean she uh, comes uh, up I'm saying no it, 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 it it's it's an incredible scene and again in the way that like the the, the freaking the hot dog scene is you know hilarious that is just like. Oh my! I, I have never seen anything so awkward since Andy just told a completely unrelated story last week. Yeah. <laughs> and she she comes off as this kind of like hungry ghost, like almost like a a mythical creature that's feeding off of this deliciousness yeah. from the like or like in what we do in the shadows, of the show, the energy vampires, yeah. the awkwardness yeah. that is being coming out of those kids in that room. She's just like eating it up and making it worse. And when Colin she, Robertson yeah. get, ends up with the other energy vampire that, that feeds on, on misery, like the misery vampire at the office. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Absolutely. I, so I, I have something that I wanted to bring into this. Uh, since we were talking about um, biopics, right, and kind of like enough yeah. with the biopics, it, it, it's even deeper than biopics, though, I feel like, because true crime has, like, tr like transcended genre format or like whatever right like yeah nothing right. true we're, crime we're like, podcast we're like we're like at the point where there are true crime podcasts about true crime podcasts that <laughs> like go through all the true crime and each one of these stories is something like this and people there's a um i don't know it's there's, the inception like of a, true crime yeah there's yeah. there's like there's like this voyeurism to it uh you know in some of the yeah. the less you know the more haphazardly thrown together versions of this that that take you back to the tabloids which i think is a great connection that uh, the like you know the screenwriter for this made where it's like tabloid right. culture becomes true crime culture or like over a certain amount of time. But there's like not like they're they're not doing this as like oh well I'm a forensics expert and I'm gonna take you through you know like this guy. I mean sometimes they do, but like even then the they they do the things where it's like uh, oh let's take a, a forensic expert and see how many cold cases they can solve in this amount of time, and then they put people that are like you know like that didn't even do anything necessarily like behind bars just to. You know, like the, we, we're in such a weird true crime cultural moment. There's literally a show called Last Meal on YouTube where celebrities come on to be like, "Here's my last meal." Bob was gonna be on death row. Like, mm -hmm. fun, cool, let's oh, do it. Well, I was I was reading an Intercept article the other day where this one woman that does like the cold that tries to uh, do the the cold case things. You know what I mean? Like, there, she has that reality show, and they started proving that like a lot of the cold cases that she solved and people actually went to jail, like. Are, are so haphazardly thrown together so that they could make a season of television that like innocent people were, were like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is by right. reality TV. And it's like, yeah. th this is although like in contrast, we did get the golden I was gonna say, killer. 
only murders in the building is literally the only sentence I was trying to say for the past five minutes of, of like I, that that portrayed that so well, which is the fact yeah. the obsession with it, why people get obsessed with it, Season how four, it, let's go, how it relates to actual reality, and also great performance by Divine Joe Randolph, who's probably going to win, and uh, she deserves to. Yes. Uh, but yeah, yeah, only murders in the building. Only representation of that in media, the entire thing you're talking about for us. Where, where it's, where it's, yeah. Like this, it, it's, again, so many levels to it that it's actually affected investigations. Is like, that's bad. Mm-hmm. That's maybe like, yeah. it's enough with this true crime then. You know? Thanks yeah. a lot, Serial. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> everybody, yeah. everybody, everybody thinks that they deserve a, like everybody with a weird job thinks that they deserve like a reality show now, right? Like, so it's like, I oh, I'm like, I'm like the, the world's best forensics expert and then they're like well we got to get a season of tv out of you solving every cold case in fucking like you know yeah. southern texas or something for the like next it's a speed season. round or something yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotta yeah. sub on twitch you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Crime, guys. it has to fit on tiktok <laughs> <laughs> i'll solve a crime for every sub i get right, right. <laughs> for every subscription she solves a crime you're never gonna believe it folks <laughs> It was it was the black guy. 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 And then you know, like th- then you put away like ten fucking random fucking people that didn't do anything to like you know like satiate an audience that has certain stereotypes of the people that mm-hmm. they think are criminals. And yeah. that, like this, this is what Local I was reading. News with, like, is the all Intercept, about that. The Intercept article. It's like they found people that like were in the area and who fit like stereotypes of criminals, which like is racialized. Is hundred percent racialized, right? Like it, it also feeds into the uh to the law and order kind of stuff. Like like people people want uh you know you know the people who defend the police, which which like you know we need to reform the police. That that's something we absolutely have to do. But like this this industry like is basically saying uh the police are okay and and uh like and it is important that we solve some of these crimes. But like you know let, let's remember the police aren't doing that. Uh, because because uh, for, for multiple reasons, probably because the people who are investigating these things aren't the people who should be investigating these things. Yeah, well, and it's like also mental illness is class related, right? Like it's racialized. It's all of these like if you could find like a like, I don't know, because I, I was just reading like this article that was like really long the other day. And it really was about like how Ooh. like, uh, you know, like mentally challenged black people pretty much were being thrown into what? prison. What if this cast like satiate the ending the ending of a a season of reality TV? And it's like, holy fucking shit, dude. And I feel like like on on another side of the spectrum, it's a movie like this where it's you know, I mean, this is mostly like a a a white woman that you know for a fact did the thing that you know she's accused of doing. She had jail time for it, but then how much of it is rehabilitating her image when they do like a lifetime movie like this, right? Like how much Mm. of it is 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 uh showing because they're not doing it delicately they're not like they're not like carefully putting together like a picture of a like a you know like a criminal or something because this woman is a rapist like that's yeah yeah well and and the thing is like when this story was like going on i remember when the mary kay letourneau stuff was was happening and how like that was just kind of seen as like the word that people would use to describe it was like salacious yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I had the luckiest like, it was play alive. More like, like it was almost like a sexy thing. <laughs> and yeah. one of the things, if we're going to talk about kind of racialized politics of of things, is that um, you know, typically, 
there is a lot of like racialized stereotypes that are really, really harmful about um, especially um, Pacific Islander men looking much older than than they do um, mm -hmm. in a lot of cases or and and that becomes a whole big thing because then it plays into that horrible narrative of like, like oh my god, you're eleven, their age, yeah. And when you kind of bring that into it, like there was definitely a huge racial part of this story that like doesn't always get like bubbled up to the surface because people are focusing on you know the age gap, yes, but also we have to understand the power dynamics that were not just in age but also in race. We have yeah. a white woman who looks right. so innocent and like you would never expect it from her, you know, taking advantage of of a, a child, but a child a little older. Say, oh, he's mature for his age. He looked older. He seduced me. He was the yeah. boss. Blah, blah, blah. Who All was in charge? Her racism yeah. Yeah. from the very beginning of it. And that doesn't <laughs> plot up nearly as much as it should. And that's why I think like this movie, like with the casting of like Charles Melton. Yeah. I feel like that was like that was very very critical to this. Yeah, story. and that's why it, it makes me think about again my friends in high school who did end up having relations with their teachers and marrying them recently. Mm -hmm. Like it just I'm like you know even though you you were 16 I and I still think of like that's still kind of young though you're you're still not mentally mature enough for this. Like mm -hmm. I had a friend who who had had an affair with her with our drama teacher, and he mm -hmm. was happily married. Drama. Yeah, and like certainly <laughs> teaching drama that way. Word got out; she moved to a different school, but she was still involved in the local community theater with him and her mom. So it wasn't like the mom was trying to keep them Your separated. Mom. Yeah, her mom was like, so, "Yeah, okay. cool with it." When, and, when um, I was in high school, no. I remember I couldn't get into the dark room to develop some uh, film that I took, and uh, I go, "Oh, it's probably because some people were having sex in there." Years later, I found out it was the band teacher and one of my <gasps> friends. Oh no. <laughs> which no. made me even more angry because I was just hoping it was just two students banging and because, I was like, cool with that. No, how fucked up is it that we all have a fucking teacher student uh, story? Yeah. No, I, mean, I, mean, I, have multiple. Multiple. I have multiple. But like, it was funny because my sister got fired yeah. as well. My my yeah. sister texts me like like some she was like who was so well, I'm not gonna say same like who was Mister So and So uh had a relationship with that you knew and I'm like this girl and she's like is that her and I'm like. Oh my God, they got married. Well, the, and also, the, are um, any of these predators behind bars? Yeah. Because my, in my case, they are not. I don't yeah. think in any of our cases they they are. Like people just see this as they're like, oh, it's a little like, like it's a little scandal. Oh, it's just a little scandal. As a treat. And it's not. It's not just it's a quite little the scandal. One time, his life's being ruined. This one teacher, again, history coach, history teacher was a coach. He admitted, like, he had an affair with, with a student when my sister was in high school, but he admitted to it and he got moved to a different building. Then he kept having a, he kept avoiding all the girls because he didn't want to get caught. Like, he was kind of very, like, like, get that fuck away from me type of situation. But then when I left high school, I had him because he liked me because I was very smart and mature and, like, wasn't interested in him. Sure. So, yeah. So, uh, also, he, he liked that my sister played basketball and softball and all that. But I was like, I'm not a sports person. But then after I graduated, he had not one but two affairs. And then he finally got fired. I'm like, finally got fired. Isn't how it, many times? Isn't it just, it's so shocking how it can take so long. It can take so for long. For justice. For justice. And like, and the way, kind of bringing it back to the movie, the way that like, 
this this family gets shit sent to their house Mm-hmm. But that's about the worst thing that happens to yeah. them. Like, yeah. it's just like, you know, yes, like she had to, you know, be punished for her crimes. But then, you know, her her life just goes back to normal. Yes. And in the, these real life cases of people that we know, their lives just go back to normal. They're doing the community mm-hmm. theater. They're, you know, they're they're upstanding members of the community, beloved members of the community. You know, that's yeah, this, this one's this so one's crazy. interesting. They're right. Like, oh, because- we love her here. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, the baked goods stuff, right? Sent to their house, and they just go, Oh, yeah, it's another box of shit. Like, it's like nothing. But then there's also this coterie people that buy her baked goods, you know, to keep her busy. And like, it's really just people, like, you know, for whatever whatever their reasons are, uh, supporting her in in a way. Stay away from my kids. Yeah. (laughs) Gotta keep her busy. (laughs) Supporting her in a way that is not ego damaging to her and again we're talking about someone who has a very strict control over her life and her image in a very specific way including everyone around her yeah Mm -hmm. i mean if you think about by her community and not held accountable right like because obviously she hasn't learned anything think about that interaction between the two of them uh julian moore and natalie portman at the end where where she goes insecure people are very dangerous aren't they i'm secure make sure you put that in there (laughs) yeah such a secure line. You have mental yeah. problems. Yeah. Well, the, the first, the I first thing calm. you hear, like when you, when you don't, when you don't, come with a newer dude. <laughs> when you don't necessarily know what she did, right? Like you're kind of getting hints yeah. of it in the beginning. You don't yeah. necessarily know, uh, like, like let's say you like if you go into this cold, right? Like you don't necessarily know what she did. The like first did. thing you really <laughs> like hear, Andy, who knew nothing like, about it, get was drawing it. <laughs> the, the first, like, thing I thought this really, was about calendars. What's going on here? The first, <laughs> the first thing you really hear Sorry. is uh, they say, "What do you like about her?" Like, we you know why is she a beloved member of the community? Yeah, and yeah. the woman says, "Because she's not afraid to go after what." She wants and it's like right. which is great that, that landed you her in prison like that right. landed yes. her in prison yeah Twice. but girl power like you know what i mean that like, feels like a dog whistle compliment oh. see it's okay because because she was she was with her so it was okay <laughs> you know you know this uh does actually kind of bring up an interesting point though about, like uh people who do go to prison uh they should have a life after prison because yeah. they served the time that they were uh uh, convicted for oh but why go back they, to that life can, can i finish this thought here do they deserve to go back to the life that they had before uh or, right. or do they have to have a a new life recidivism uh, yeah you know yeah because like like for example mike tyson uh you know uh went to jail for uh beating robin gibbons um mm-hmm. and uh did he deserve to, to uh after he got out of prison you know he served his time you know he should be empl- gainfully employed somewhere but does he need to have his job back? Does he still need right. like uh, well, the Mike Tyson murder mystery? Th- thank you, the Hangover, uh, you know, for I, bringing him back. You know, I yeah. think that the, the really important thing here. Yeah, I think the really important thing here is that she's coming back and she's re-victimizing her victim. Yeah. Like she's continuing to fail to allow this guy to have a life, to move on, to grow up. I mean, the, the Woody Allen. The only mm-hmm. Korean family, and he has to dissect himself from his father and his mother, and he loses that part oh, of his culture. Yeah. He, he loses so much of himself to stay with her so that she can feel justified in what she did. I would say that, that like, yes, they do deserve a life, but they don't deserve to then come back and commit the crime double jeopardy free. And do yeah, and do further harm. And, 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 and again, like, look at how he deals with, like, with, with the butterflies. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you're on a different show sometimes, Christina. But uh, like, the, like with with the butterflies and like take like he, that's a thing that he can oh, control. So that, that, that's yeah, like a place that. Yeah. And yeah. of course, the metaphor of the butterflies of like. Oh my god! Not, you got not... the metaphor. It's a metaphor. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Hit the, hit the, hit it's the, a hit. metaphor. No, I actually, it's, it's true. It's true. And finish what you were saying. Yeah. Earlier. There we go. That's all I got. Sorry. <laughs> it's a metaphor. No, like the real, the, the real story of her, the, the real story of her, like revictimizing. It's a metaphor. <laughs> the, real, okay. the real story of of like Mary Kay like revictimizing her victim, right? Like yeah. the the first thing is that she gets caught sleeping with him, gets arrested as like a teacher gets arrested, but uh, gets put in jail for. They say, all right, we're, we're giving you like a plea deal, which should not be a thing. You should not yeah. get a plea deal for a rape. But she gets three months in prison, and then she never has. She can never talk to the kid again. She's right? a white woman. What'd you expect? Yeah. So she gets her three months in prison. She spoke to the manager. Instantly, <laughs> three months later, she gets caught by the police in a car with that kid again, mm-hmm. having sex with that kid again. Mm-hmm. The yeah. same kid gets pregnant the second time, right? So now she has two kids with this 13-year-old kid. So they say, all right, well, now you're getting the full sentence, which is seven years. Still doesn't seem like very much time for rape twice. But anyway, she goes into prison, gives birth in prison the, the second time after already doing that once. And then they say, well, you're never allowed to talk to the kid again. The kid actually is the one that lobbies on his, like when he turns 21 to be able to see her again and to get the order uh, rescinded, which I'm sure she was putting pressure on him. Mm-hmm. But he goes well, to the court. And, says, and then... And and then they get married at like at age like, when he's like at age twenty one or whatever. Oh god, and I remember People Magazine covered that thing. I remember reading that. I'm like, what the hell is this? I know they, they were on they, the cover. They like, sold it was the rights. Love story. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. Yeah. Again, so, so, media. Can we talk about the metaphor now about about the butterflies. Please let's no. talk about the butterfly mm-hmm. metaphor. It's yeah, so because. Yeah, uh, you know, like one of the things about being abused is that you do actually get like trapped in that that mental age, which we kind of discussed about. Uh, but like uh, this movie, you get finally get to see him blossom into an adult. He's finally going through the metamorphosis of of uh, emerging from from this cocoon of life that he's been trapped into. So yeah. so it was right. just great that that you know you had uh, and she kept referring to them as his buds. You know, which right. uh, I thought was like a, again a easy thing, language um, to dismiss and to yeah. uh, sideline, right? Yeah, and, and mm-hmm. also like uh, you know, she's supposed to because uh, going back to the original case, her defense was that she's bipolar, mm-hmm. and right. um, I my my mother in law uh, has uh, you know bipolar, much you know uh, like the similar. Oh my type god, samezies. Um, <laughs> yeah, type type one, the 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 uh, you know the one where you can actually like uh, really do insane stuff. Yeah, like and, with with extreme mania. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and uh, I think I think this was well represented in the film uh, because you also mm-hmm. see kind of the 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 uh, the abuse that 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 kind of also leads to because you know like she's not realizing she's doing this stuff mm-hmm. uh, partly because of the uh, of her uh, mental illness and it's nice yeah. that they actually were able to 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 put that into the film uh, and, and not actually like like explain that to you like none of this is explained. Yeah. You, have yeah. to, you don't need to put a you don't need to put a diagnosis on it to know that like no. things are off with her. And yeah. the one of the things that's really difficult with bipolar, one, most people don't know that there's two types of bipolar. Yes. And yes. then and they don't understand like that one yeah. has so, so like, my wife. Yeah. And so like so when people talk about 
bipolar in film, it can be one of those things where, you know, it gets conflated with things that are not necessarily true to most people, you know, Multiple personality bipolar disorder, disorder. Or and, yes. bipolar. Yeah. Exactly. We, we yeah. talked about this with the murder night madness. Yeah, Madness. Yeah. 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 And so, so I feel like, you know, to, to not say it, but to still know that it's like, she's, she, there's something going on in her head. That's off. We don't have to name it, but we know this, we know the symptoms and we could probably even relate to people who have those kinds of personality traits and symptoms and not blanket an entire community that yeah. has that same diagnosis as that, which so, I think was a very responsible thing to do with the filmmaking. Yes, 100%. Very true. 100% agreed. So two, two things real quick. First of all, the third Conan Neutron of the Secret Friends record that came out in 2020 was a concept record about depression and mental health specifically. Mm -hmm. And I address that as good as I'm ever going to on that record. But that that is what that record is about. Secondly, in a lesser movie, we would get some talking head explainer <laughs> talking about this stuff, maybe even at the jump. Yeah. And I love the, uh, I'm just going to Or at the end, like Psycho. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go Psycho if I don't get a point out soon. But uh, uh, <laughs> bravery is, is, is like something that I would use for Todd Haynes for just, again, mm -hmm. figure it out. Julianne Moore's a great actress. You watch her just being various stages of shitty. And just sniping and and picking at everyone when it suits her in the way of the you know someone that has extreme narcissism, and it's showy not telling. Yes, and then yeah. you, you, get, you get the uh, you know the the boyfriend that barely or you know fiance that barely really even gets to break into the movie. She's like he's on the phone with Natalie Portman or whatever. Yeah, you know, she's she's just railroading over that guy but uh you get him say something like you know when when she has no she's like oh well it's kind of brave that she has no shame about this right she has no regrets about this which uh then he's like yeah that's like kind of it could be like a personality disorder that's what they like did in like the the movie about it and she's like she like cuts him off and it's like that's, yeah. that's kind of like the you know the the narration breaking in to be like look this doesn't matter like this annoying guy, you know, thinks it's a personality disorder, which, which does, I mean, when it is something like BPD or something, right? Like it's uh, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times yeah. you have, you, you lack the ability to like um, to uh, self-analyze the way that other people might, right? Like, cause your own like narcissism is pushed out past. I don't know. It's like a more complicated thing, mm -hmm. but I like that he like, he like suggests like, well, it could be this. This was in the, uh, you know, the Lifetime documentary about it or whatever. <laughs> right, and, right. And then she's like, I don't give up. Like, I don't give a fuck about that. Streaming on Peacock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I would assume that she also has mental stuff going on with her, too. Like, that character. Mm -hmm. Like, she has no compunction about kind of just railroading through everybody's lives in this. She has, doesn't seem to have a lot of empathy for anybody in it. Uh, yeah. you know, in the situation. Well, she's a culture vulture, right? I mean, yeah, yeah like that's what it comes down she to. She makes everything about herself like in great. the in the pursuit of realism, but she hides behind the fact that it's about her crap. Well, and that's the thing is that it's like when it comes to like method acting, you know, you get the two schools of thought of like people who want to go really method because they're like, I just want to really feel it in my character. And then you have like really amazing actors that are like, Yeah, I don't do that. I just kind of, <laughs> you know, it's my job. <laughs> and I show up and yeah. I do my job and I'm real good at it. And yes. I'm like <laughs> well, we didn't I mean, have so, to become a cobbler to play this but cobbler, like but it's know? this idea that we we put on a pedestal the people I just like that method the act like they're like they're some sort of like you know genius of like right. adapting that technique oh they're so dedicated they're so they're so good at their craft when really maybe they just like i don't know maybe they're just also on i don't know i don't think that method acting yeah. is always very responsible the sure, way they're a little bit much 
Yeah, Jared yeah. Leto, when filming Suicide Squad again, first of all, a terrible movie. Y'all know that's for a fact. Yeah. And second of all, he was sending like anal bees and rats because he's like, this is yeah. what the Joker would do. And I'm like, no. I never saw that in the movie. Yeah, that's I'm why, like, that's why I imagine. Where were beads in the movie if he's so method? Where were Nat- they? Natalie Portman's character sending uh, the cast members of the movie that she's in in this a box of shit over and over again. Being like, this was... I think he would get like a pie that would explode or something like that. Like that. Yeah, or sense. a smiling fish. Smiling fish is right there. Well, Come said, on. Jared Leto said on the Suicide Squad, like, use condoms to people too. And yeah, like, that's... Uh, no, Joker doesn't that's do illegal. that. It's that's, that's a felony. You can't do that. You can't yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there, there are actors <laughs> there are actors who go who, who, who transform themselves into the role, but they don't go full method. They just yeah. transform. They know when when cut to go back. That's fine. But when you're trying to be that person or act like the character you're portraying, especially if they're disabled, like Morbius, like Morbius was, I'm like, oh my god, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. It's an insult. It's Morbius. It's, it's we, not. We also have to. We also have <laughs> to throw out there that like Jared Leto is all about the method acting, and he's also a cult leader. So like you know, put two and two yeah. together, guys. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Like, we just talked about. For Lawless, which which I never recommend the movie Lawless, but I recommend the soundtrack. So there you go, people. Go get the we soundtrack. just talked about the exact opposite uh, technique, I guess, with Lily Gladstone saying like she only right. has so much that she can actually pour into something like Killers of the Flower Moon. It's such a yeah. long movie, and she have to take care of yourself. In it. So she yeah. was like, "What? When I was off, like I was just like I had to be me. Like I had to yeah. go among like you know the different tribal because there's like." what 200 tribes they said represented on set on Killers mm-hmm. of the Flower Moon. She had to That's enjoy amazing. herself. She had to joke around and prank Leonardo DiCaprio or whatever and like, uh, you know, be like, oh, I got you. Not actually 17. <laughs> she, had, she had to do all these different, uh, you know, things to to pull herself out of this character or she said she would end up um, burning through like, you know, the, the despair of the role too yeah. fast. And, then- well, and I think yeah. that's what's so interesting about like, you know, Natalie Portman's character like definitely has like a bit of that narcissism in her as well that just gets pulled out of her as she's method acting you know as gracie it's like you know and she says that she admires all of these things you know our culture really like puts psychopaths um and really like narcissistic people at like on a big old pedestal Mm -hmm. without calling it that they call it ambitious or Mm -hmm getting what you want, hashtag girl boss, whatever. And like, and so when, you know, you have someone who just is like, I want to be exactly like this person, whether it's for a role or whether it's because they're trying to actually be more like that person in their real life. It's like, you just end up mirroring the, um, the, the most toxic surface level traits of that person, but you can't really get into their head. You don't know about all of the cogs that are turning behind the scenes. And that's what's so very interesting and kind of like back to the point that I made at the top of the show is like Gracie paints herself as this real victim. She manipulates everyone around her. She's super fucking passive aggressive. Abusers never stop abusing. Um, And but it also like it just challenges you to think about like what we're watching is an act. So it's actors watching actors watching actors. (laughs) Right, right. And, 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 and most you of know? the actors who were voting did not like what they saw. Exactly. They hit a little close to home. And they it's were too like, meta. Mm. It's too meta. Yeah. And, and ultimately, that's what it all comes down to is like, you know, how responsible is it to meddle in people's lives when those people are... Yes. 
and, and, and that's what the point is. And that's what that's why this is so much more interesting of a movie than than again the straight biopic presented by the biopic industrial complex uh, would have been, <laughs> like it, by a pretty large margin. No also, other movies mentioned. It also feels like um, <laughs> almost like an inverse of Black Swan. Uh, and yeah. Her, like okay. her, yeah. well, because because in Black Swan, she's the one that loses it, right? She's the one in that yeah. position of power. Oh, sure. yeah. She's the one that you're watching all of this through. And then Mila Kunis is kind of like her character, right? Like Mila Kunis in that movie is kind of the audience, um, the corollary or whatever, right? That comes in as a new person. And then mm-hmm. you, you get to see this world through Mila Kunis's eyes as she descends into madness around Mila Kunis. In this movie, it feels right. like Julianne Moore is the one in that position of power who you're yeah. kind of seeing this woman's world through the eyes of Natalie Portman. In both movies, both characters are these, um, like, you know, like not not the most reliable narrators, but like, mm-hmm. it, it feels like in this movie, uh, Natalie Portman gets to play the other role and be like the, you know, the Mila Kunis kind of corollary. I would also mm-hmm. compare this a bit to another Natalie Portman role in uh, Leon the Professional, which which uh, no. has wow. a very weird. Uh, it's not really a love story, like like it goes right up to that line and doesn't quite cross it. But God damn, is it uncomfortable? Um, very uncomfortable movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with some very cool scenes in it. Oh, fantastic! I, I'm not saying yeah. it's a bad movie. It's a very no, good no, movie. No. It's just and it's got it's... a white guy doing a Jamaican accent too. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Uh, um, I had I had one I had one. Oh, clip that, l- l- yeah, let, me, yeah. l- let me get one more thing in. We've we've mentioned this uh, in the past um, with biopics, especially too, of, of like when you have, oh, this got the okay from the family, right? And so like where she, we, this is the biopic that has like, you know, or, and this happens in documentary shit, the big star documentary. It never mm-hmm. once mentions that the bro was gay as the day is long. Never, not <laughs> once, because his family was religious and the family didn't want it, but. Yeah. Certain situations that can obviously there's certain things they don't want said and stuff along those lines, right? And so that's yet another reason why the biopic is a terrible genre that occasionally can produce, mm-hmm. you know, even a blind chicken can fight a kernel of corn now and again. Uh, that this is much more interesting way to approach that because you get the broad strokes of the story and then also you know, get to light up a different kind of, of predatory action and and that's yeah. that makes it special that makes it unique and that makes it a work of art rather yeah. than a work of the lifetime channel mm-hmm. thank you well and and that brings up a really good point conan about kind of Billy Falau came out with his statement about how he didn't approve of this movie and yeah. how he felt like it was so ripped off from his story a lot and right. and and it is it's morally dubious, right? Because I agree with what you're saying. If it were like a straight biopic about exactly what happened and he were more involved with that, giving his kind of side of, of that story, it would just be a completely different movie. And, um, you know, and, and maybe we do want to understand more of his perspective now that he has had time to really reflect on things, but I just don't think that it would be necessarily the kind of artistic statement that Todd Haynes is so known for. So it's, but it also is like one of those things where it is, it it's, it's morally dubious because it's like, well, it's his life and he's already not had a say in his own life. And they can still and, make that movie. That's fine. Yeah. Like, again, there's more. It's just not this movie. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, but it's not what this movie's trying just, to do. Did we all <laughs> just not describe a story where we knew a teacher who had relations with a student? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. come on. That could be anybody. Yeah, I don't this know is any pet store. Uh, story. Right. 
<laughs> well, even they, they made that. That was a Rooney Mara. That there was that streaming. I never saw it, but I know it exists. Yeah. That like was like about that. I mean, there's a lot of those kinds of stories, and and there's a million ways that you can approach it. But I think salacious, which is one of my favorite words, by the way, is is I I, I, I love I love that everybody uses stuff like salacious because it's salacious. You know, it's like oh, mm. you know, <laughs> I, I think Star Wars character, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, well, and, and salacious like, grump. Yeah, it, it feels almost like uh, these stories are almost like uh, <laughs> martyrs, I guess, it. to the the psychopathic narcissistic culture that we've come up with where people are kind of just bored. And if you don't give them if you're if you're not constantly giving them <clears throat> as like something that they can voyeuristically attach to like mm -hmm. society, I think will be far more chaotic. So it's like something like a tabloid, which like think about another thing that a tabloid gave us fucking Donald Trump. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, that's another person whose name couldn't stay out of the fucking tabloids, but like we voyeuristically famous for being famous at that point. Yeah. Right? yeah it's and a we, we voyeuristically thing. consume these people, like these people's lives so that we don't uh, descend into madness ourselves. I think in some ways, I mean, I'm like, maybe not me. Cause I don't, I'm not, I'm not a tabloid. Because you're built different, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, not in so the tabloids forest? That's not what I heard. <laughs> in in, in, in a uh, guy who likes tabloid magazine. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. That's got the new, the new magazine. It's actually a TikTok account. Um, um, but, uh, I, I, one thing that I wanted to bring into this though, uh, is the Thank list you. that she has throughout this. Oh, I love it. I love yeah. it. And so there's, there's a clip of, um, uh, Julia Moore, I guess, is the one that actually like came up with the idea of a list because she wanted something that Natalie Portman could easily latch onto when she's going into playing her character and transforms mm -hmm. into her. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this, this is them talking about it. They're 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 very interesting because I think they're they're two like actresses like so far into their peak of their craft, right? That right, they're right. that like their uh, collaboration with each other with each other is like kind of fascinating. My name is Natalie Portman. My name is Julianne Moore. And what is the name of the film that you're May, May December. December. May December came into my life because Jessica Elbaum, who's another one of the producers on the film, sent me the script and I was blown away by the script. I'd been wanting to work with Todd Haynes forever and sent the script to him and he took to it. And then he sent it to Julie. I love all of their collaborations. Safe, I like study. It's very important to me. Making Safe was, I mean, one of the, uh, oh, uh, most extraordinary experiences of my film career. And it was really early too, you know, it was the first time that I was the lead in a movie. When I read the script, I'd never seen or read anything like it. And I was desperate to play the part. So I couldn't believe that that it wasn't cast. And I got an opportunity to read for Todd. It was a really challenging shoot. It was so quick. It was under a million dollars. We shot a lot in like Todd's family's homes, like his uncle's home at the beach, his grandparents' so house at Studio City. I wore a lot of his mom's clothes. I loved every minute of it. But also remember when the movie came out, it kind of tanked. Like everyone was like, that's weird. No way. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't until much later that people were like, that's oh a really good movie. So you never know. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. We did not have any rehearsals. No. So when she came out that first day in that uh, barbecue scene. I just remember the first time I heard you yeah. speak, I was like, oh my God, this is <laughs> so brilliant. She has this very particular voice and kind of speech pattern or- I made a vocal choice. She made a vocal choice. <laughs> 
That's so amazing. <laughs> Vocal choice was not in the script. The choice was um, informed by two things. And the first one ultimately was that I needed to have some things that Natalie could copy and I needed to, them to be concrete. And Todd and I talked about that. Gracie's presentation and her view of herself is very, um, she's hyper feminine and very genderized and also childlike. And so I started thinking about the things that could manifest that. And one of them was this idea of her speech being having a list, which is something that we kind of attribute to, to to children. And I thought it'd be an interesting thing for Natalie to then have that to, to, to work with. And I called Todd and asked him about it. And so we were like, okay, let's do that. That and these kind of like very feminine gestures and you know, all that. So my first red carpet outfit was a Betsy Johnson dress, black that I had worn to a bat mitzvah. Uh -huh. And <laughs> over it, my mom got me a fake fur cow print jacket. Oh, come on. White with black so cute. And I slicked my hair back, like the wet look. It was very 90s. Yeah. yeah. It was it was good in 90s. Yeah. Really, do you ever get starstruck? Yeah. Well, the first time I met Robert Redford at Sundance, I was like, I was totally starstruck. And there's actually a, a photo of me, like with my mouth hanging open next to him. <laughs> I think it was a juror there and he was there. And literally a girlfriend of mine sent it to me because I'm like, Today <laughs> <laughs> is your birthday, Julie. It Happy is. birthday! Thank you. Thank so you. tell us what was your favorite thing you ever did on your birthday? I had a birthday that was kind of amazing. And actually, this is good in a Barbie year to talk about this. Mm. But there was a year when a doll came. Her name was PJ came out. <laughs> PJ had red hair and she was English and she talked. I got PJ for my 10th birthday and I opened her up before I went to school. I still can remember what she looked like and her red side ponytail. And I was really upset that PJ wasn't featured in the Barbie movie. <laughs> it's like the only character that wasn't. <laughs> we need more redhead representation, even in Barbie land. <laughs> well, we had Midge, so. That's true. Have Midge. That's she a pretty adorable weird. hangout, by the way. I must say, that's that's yeah. that, right. Awesome. Yeah, I love that. It it's, it's interesting that um, Natalie Portman got the script and then sent it to Todd Haynes, and not the other way around. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You think it'd be yeah. the other way around? Yeah. Yeah. And again, this is where it was like, well, why didn't she send it to a female director instead? Ooh. She hates working with. She keeps bitching up, <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, guys, please just stop. I know. Right. Uh, now, is me. this the first time uh, uh, Natalie Portman and um, uh, Julianne Moore have worked together? I yeah, so. pretty I sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. like they, you know, like, like when I first saw the pairing of the two of them, I'm like, oh, I, I don't recall that. But they I can't believe like it took yeah. that long because I feel like they're very cut from the same cloth. Yeah, exactly. No, and it's it's. I mean, it's one of those things where when I heard about this without knowing anything about it, I was like, oh. New Todd Haynes movie with Julianne Moore. Cool. I was like, and Natalie Portman. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. huh. Huh. Which uh which which makes it even more like uh you know interesting that she's the one that's like Todd Haynes, Julianne Moore. Like I I'm almost yeah. casting this movie. Like she's doing the producer role. <laughs> Look, so. respect the hustle, kid. You know? <laughs> like good for her. <laughs> it's called Moxie. You got what the kissy. <laughs> she's got it. <laughs> what she wants she wants a, i mean it, it's a rare hit picture it's it, it's rare that you get to a point i think in your career where you can be the one that kind of sends the the scripts around there's not that many people i think that are in yeah. that that level of the a-list but like she's definitely one of the the few i mean i don't know she killed it in annihilation we talked about that yeah like, annihilation's yeah. Great. it's a great movie and and, and Again, you see, well, we talked about this a bunch. I mean, with 12 Monkeys, right? Going all the way back to like, 
you know, uh, uh, Bruce, both Bruce Willis and um, Brad Pitt wanting to like take serious roles on and yeah. like do serious business roles, and and, and with Bruce Willis, it was. You're getting away from Die Hard, which again, he was, it was like, oh no, that's the guy from Moonlighting. There's no way he could be an action star. You know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It, then he yeah. proved he could be an action star. And then they only wanted action movies. Like, no, and he's like, no, I can actually act though. Like, let me do that too. And yeah. and there's lots of, 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 some of my favorite movies are those transitional kind of like somebody trying to, st- having to step it up, mm-hmm. right? Having to step it up in a way where, where it's, oh, I didn't expect that. Uh, okay. So perfect example. I was wrong about Colin Farrell, right? Yeah, like oh, he was in a run yeah, of like yeah. three movies. I'm like, he's amazing in different ways in all of these movies, and I just mm-hmm. charted him as like, oh, he's a himbo, whatever. He's Can't fine. wait for the Penguin show. That's gonna be good. But I was, was like, the I was, only I, thing good thing about that the Batman movie. I was, right? uh, I was thinking Come about, uh, I was thinking about the Bruce Willis thing though. As you said that, I was like, Bruce Willis. There's no way that he can play a, a boxer that is supposed to throw a fight and then chooses not to and accidentally kills his opponent and then has to go back to his his girlfriend who wants uh, wants oral pleasure and then he goes into the thing and gets raped by. A, a guy in a basement in the thing and then he has to save the guy that he owes money to there's no way he could be that guy and it's like, oh, <laughs> oh, was. oh wow. <laughs> you guys i've been i've been listening to some people um who have said that they think that this is natalie portman's best performance do you agree i it's Black Swan. she's really good in black swan but again so we went into this, I'm glad we did, about how hard it is to play a bad actor, a bad oh, actress, yeah. and and then who is attempting to be better by watching someone who is not, in fact, an acting professional, but an acting professional. That yeah. like the mm-hmm. like the depths to that is like that's impressive. And mm-hmm. like she's so like she's just as sharky as she is, you know, yeah. when it when it comes down to it. And that's like I don't know. There's something there that like it's impressive, and again, it's yeah. it's it's nomination worthy, and, and even though so, it's nominated. So, so I guess so, the question is whether or not you feel that is harder to act or make someone question reality without realizing you're questioning reality. Kind of create a false right. narrative in an yeah. I don't know that. I feel like they're equally hard from an actress mm-hmm. point of view. Yeah, like uh, the script has really got to help you to do Black Swan. You can't do that. Whereas I with agree. This one I could maybe make that leap with a bad script. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's also going to be for Vendetta. People forget all about that yeah. movie, right? Which, oh, and it, how dare you give us a third option? <laughs> Personally, my favorite Natalie role was her skit on SNL when she rapped. But yeah. I think it was a very close second. Just when her head was shaved, I was like, uh oh. That's the wild. Did anybody. Um, <laughs> Was was that a, a Jackie Onassis movie? Any good? I never saw it. I forgot it. Yeah, it was just, it was fine. Her accent was point. Okay. Yeah, but everything. I'm pretty sure that's another. I'm pretty sure that's movie I saw. Didn't she? For Jackie. At, at the gym, like uh, during like. A, I don't know. Forrest trying to tell a story about the gym. I didn't hear what you said. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, who? That like I went in and out of. A little okay, bit. the Jackie it, like, movie. I think it's just called Jackie, right? Yeah. 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 I'm still waiting for the Jackie movie. There it is. Okay. So I love the lisp. I think that's a great little thing to be thrown in. And then when you see Natalie Portman persona her <laughs> and then she starts doing it too, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm totally here for that. And it's so subtle that like you're, you're cause it, at first you're just like, 
is, is he, what is what's happening there with her method of speech like what what what's occurring and, and she goes in and out of it too because because it's not yeah. right exactly it's it's, and it's it's not as crazy as like in the holdovers where like in a few scenes like you know the glass eye like changes uh, the odd eye changes uh, uh, sides which which they actually did do which is hilarious yeah uh but like it, it is something where like it's something to kind of stumble over it, again adds to the unease and then like when she's when she starts mirroring uh, her on that then like you notice it because there's something to pick up on and i think that's mm -hmm. such a cool well i mean julianne moore's a badass you know mm -hmm. like so of course yeah. she's gonna pull out some bad she does a lot of you know even in movies that are not good like chloe she she does a phenomenal job she's great yeah she's she's even in everything in, she does even when it's bad movies she's usually the best part of it like the sequel to a certain yeah. great movie from the 90s that where she was re, was a recast for you're talking about uh the being uh, uh clarice yes yes yeah she, she was definitely the best part of that yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, I, I, I would have won that movie trivia. That. Thank you. Because the only, the I, only, the only know. scene that's memorable is when Ray Liotta's head is cut off. Like that's it. Second, um, Kona Neutron, the Secret Friends record, concept record about Hannibal Lecter in the world around him. Art of Murder. <laughs> Copies oh. not available on vinyl. Yeah, out of yeah, print. I did that for a reason, Conan. I was kind of thinking about uh, James Gandolfini's uh, Tony Soprano performance, where every season he decided to make the list more intense. Like his his. Oh sure. I, yeah. So like by the sixth season, like you can barely understand half of what he's fucking saying because he's like, "Look over there, like I'm 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 fucking up over there." And it's like he has like such a fucking the right. Tony Soprano mm -hmm. voice so dramatic because if you watch mm -hmm. the first season of The Sopranos, he barely has it, and that's kind of how I felt with uh with Julianne Moore's performance because when she gets upset in this, like it's almost like a manipulative yeah. tactic. When she well, gets upset, that's... you hear the fucking yeah. That's what I wanted to say. It feels like she becomes a baby. When she has all the power, she pretends to put on this little baby voice. It's like she goes belly up and she makes him tend to her in such yeah. a strange, strange way. And also, I think it's, of course, we like that she does the impression well because that's everyone's favorite part of any biopic is when the actor does an impression well. And in, in this one, we get it inside the movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and it's, it, it, but it's devastating, right? It's devastating mm -hmm. in the way that it's a meta contextual experience. And, and that's one of the reasons why it's so badass and it's so great, but like why, again, certain parties are not going to be inclined to give it the time of day, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Which isn't fair, but it's Actors. true. Actors. <laughs> I was acting. Actors that are also pedophiles that are they're like, oh man, they're going after actors and pedophiles in this movie. Right. I'm no. two of those things. Well, do you know what? <laughs> so here's an interesting thing I just found out. There Kevin goes monetization Spacey. for this episode. Sorry, Katie. <laughs> no, no. Kevin Spacey has a movie that's coming out at the end of March. <sighs> no. What? Is it, a, no. Is it no. a biopic? No, it is oh. a movie that was filmed in 2020 and got shelved for a year, got oh. finished in 2022, and they've been waiting just a little bit longer because he got acquitted on all nine charges in the UK, and he's right. officially... Acquitted because all the witnesses died. Yes. Yeah, which is kind of weird. But you know who's so, still alive? All right, get Todd Haynes to make a movie about... All Anthony that stuff. Rapp's still alive, though. I, see, I, I, had a, I had a role for uh, so, Kevin Spacey. Oh. I want. I wanted. I wanted uh, to ship Kevin Spacey to Israel and make him do a biopic about Netanyahu, where <laughs> they have the same. They have the same comb over and shit. Like oh, wow. he almost did a Gore Vidal one. It got canceled off of Netflix. He was going to play Gore Vidal. 
Boy. Uh, I, I was I'm an atheist, but every once in a while, I think someone's looking out for us. <laughs> I wanted to say that this goes back to what Andy had said about like, so do we allow for redemption? Yeah. yeah. Do we uh, do we uh, watch this Kevin Spacey movie, or do we feel like what the fuck? Yeah, it's it's oh. got a oh god, I think it's got Elvis's daughter in it too. Something he was well, he in mm, Maybe I'm wrong about that. I'll look oh on. god, that'll be he bad was, for her. He was still working, I think, when he was uh, on trial. He went to um, Serbia, which you know, like our like our sponsors, but they were they were hiring him to uh, <laughs> Serbia. You say <laughs> <laughs> Serbian tourism board makes me thirsty so, for some yabaga. They were they like some of like the more far right elements in Serbia. I think were hiring him to like play these uh, biopic roles at one point. In uh, were they uh, were they washing like uh, mafia money? Is that yeah 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 okay? I'm pretty sure I pretty sure JG Michael posted about that, and I was reading like an article that he posted about that at one point. I missed that. Uh, The Woody Allen biopic that should be interesting. Kevin Spacey plays Woody Allen. Oh my god. No, Stop. no, no, no. Directed by Roman Polanski. Boom. Got no. it. No. No. Oh, you you do, uh, oh, I had to feel like I was going to say that too. You do like a, a movie about the, the friendship between Woody Allen and Roman Polanski. Yes. And oh, you, uh, and Brian Singer. You have, you have one of the, you have one sure, of them played by idea. fucking uh, Kevin Spacey. And the other one played by James Franco. Wait, oh, the woman. It's, it's called the worst it. movie you've ever. It doesn't. Read. It doesn't have. Um, it doesn't have like Kylie in it. I was wrong. It has uh, but, Rebecca De Mornier. Yeah, it wasn't she the prostitute in a uh, risky business? Um, amongst many things, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just we, we usually say sex worker, but okay, prostitute. I see. <laughs> we usually say dangerous job. <laughs> uh, Rebecca De Mornier. Actually, uh, fun thing Are about thing turned out. By the way. Fun thing about her, she was, I think, the best part of the Stephen King The Shining. Uh, like that, remember the one with the guy from Wings that came out as a miniseries? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Rebecca De Mornay yeah. as, as uh, um, the, I can't remember the character's name, but the, the wife character played by Shelley Duvall in, in the original one. What? Hi, I'm Shelley Duvall. Closer Hi. to, way closer to the source material, which the whole book was in general, uh, that miniseries was closer to source material, which goes to show you that. Doesn't have to be closer to the source material to be good. You know, this movie would make a really good play too. Not a musical, but like an actual play. Imagine more intimate cast. She's but an actor I, I from like the, the screen. The, the screen, screen was played by an actress from the screen who is now playing as an actress on the stage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like the I like the Fred Flintstone plays Kevin Spacey playing Fred Flintstone. Yeah, yeah. Oh, layers like an onion. Pitch it. Pitch Wilma. It. No, he, Fred Flintstone oh, plays God. Kevin Spacey playing uh, the House of Cards voice thing that he does. He's like, oh, Wilma? God. He's like, Wilma? Where are you, Wilma? Yabba dabba do. that voice. <laughs> oh. And Tucker Carlson plays Barney. No! <sighs> okay, this is why we have an after party, everyone. Yeah. Subscribe. Uh, okay, yeah, that movie looks terrible. Okay, uh, I... <laughs> I just, I just look, I looked at, I got to close this tab. I no, yeah, you look at it. It's for, it's for later. Yeah, I can't even with that. <laughs> we, can, we can kick off the after party of that before we do everyone's picks. Uh, hey, uh, can we? Are we doing Letterbox one liners? We'll be doing. Yeah, that. I just What's happening? Sure. Oh, so Letterbox, of course, they place four film lovers to talk at it to each other about the movies that they love. Maybe the movies that they didn't love. The movies they feel very awkward watching with their family. 
Oh. Four days soon with some lesbian love story. And of course, all of this, uh, everyone gets to have their say. It's a bottom-up democracy. That's the Siskels and Ebers of the world having their say. Everyone gets to chime in, and it's uh, best expressed succinctly, keeping it keeping it succinct. And uh, these are the ones that we pull and put up on the show so that we can react to them. These are the letterbox one-liners for May December. Let's go. Dad, don't kill my vibe. <laughs> Dad, don't kill my vibe. Dad, don't kill my vibe. <laughs> I'm a sinner who's probably going to sin again. There you go. There you go. Best thing I've seen in a movie all year is when that high school kid jumps up to touch the door frame in order to impress Natalie Portman. <laughs> you know what? I, I would have done the same thing in high school. Yeah, they also uh, they have like a I, I love that her high school is extremely like diverse so they have like these two like uh black kids talking and they look at natalie portman and they have like this group of like stoner white kids and they all look at natalie portman and it's like the most like diverse groups of people you ever see to be like everybody knows who this is i felt like yeah, they did that yeah. well yeah yeah exactly <laughs> natalie portman unites us all <laughs> this gives me flashbacks to when I was 15 in a French class, and our 50-year-old teacher could not up, stop explaining how beautiful Brigitte Macron's relationship was. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, no. That's right. Now he is the president of France, and his relationship with his teacher, you know, it, it, it developed into a flowering love. It's 50-year-old French teacher catnip. <laughs> well, that was a weird choice for a date movie. Let me tell you that. Oh, no. Oh, oh my no. God. <laughs> oh, no. Wait, I want to know if that was a first, a first date. I wish, we, I wish we could ask. It's a last date. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I have so many questions. That's what I call a January, February relationship. Uh, can, can I say, can I say that? I, I actually did go see the Cronenberg crash on a date, and that is a much more uh, safe date choice than, than May, December. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. yeah, I would call this uh, October, November. <laughs> October. You, you, like, you, like, you like reach over, you're holding hands at the beginning of the movie, and you just let go of each other's hands real fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a little sweaty. <laughs> When Charles Melton took it off his shirt and had a little paunch instead of an eight-pack, I became the cartoon wolf that says, Awooga! Oh, you oh, guys, yeah. relatable content. <laughs> Let me like, tell wow, you. Look at that. Real man right there. Relatable. Yeah, well, he, he didn't... He didn't dehydrate, uh, you know, which is. Uh, oh my like God. Yeah. That's, that's the key to the app. You got to dehydrate, yeah, yeah. do like a hundred like push ups beforehand, drink yeah. some diet. Yeah. Coke. If he dehydrates, he's like uh, going to be doing a Marvel movie next. Yeah. No. It's I like, like a hydrated man. Yeah, stay hydrated. <laughs> it's crazy though because like it's two it's two really 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 gifted women at like the top of their game in this movie right like and that's what so much of your focus is on but like the performance that charles Bowen gives in this is so like it's so like emotional and nuanced and like you know like it almost feels like he gets he gets overshadowed by like this torrential fucking storm like hurricane going on above him and it's like yeah but buddy like i i i liked your performance too <laughs> I mean, all three of them should have been nominated. Let's be yeah. True. He doesn't even get to be on the cover. Uh. That's true. I need to talk to someone about this immediately. Becky Rice. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> why. Our Discord. That's Becky Rice, who's Someone's coming on the show put for this link in her comments. 
so that she can talk to us about it. Oh, well, she's coming on. She's coming oh, on for Little yeah. Women, <laughs> Lauren. Which we may have, oh, we have to have you on for that, I guess, because that's a, you're the chief Greta Gerwig correspondent. Oh, so, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Not a party without me. And then, then we can have an after party where she can actually talk to you about May, December. <laughs> ah, I would love that. <laughs> yeah, because she was. <laughs> Kevin Spacey stars in Little Women. There you go. There you go. There she is the littlest woman. Will Ferrell producer credit jump scare. Yeah, this, this, this is, uh, yeah. Maybe that's why this was in comedy, though. Like uh this is Gloria Sanchez fucking uh Will Farrell and um you know Adam McKay's company, which I guess Adam McKay is now off doing his own thing because they broke up. Bad oh, bad breakup. Yeah, but uh now we got bad blood. But it it was really funny, like thinking, like Gloria Sanchez. I know I know that one the company is. And then I looked down, there's so many there's like 10 producers on this, and the last one was just like Will Farrell. And it was yeah. like, oh man. Well, producer credit on Will Farrell. That's pretty much. Does Will Farrell know that he produced this movie? I don't know if he knows. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's he's he probably gave like five bucks to contribute because that's really what a lot of producers do. They help fund the movie, so he probably contributed a little bit of money for it. Yeah, well, like I think I think the company that he like uh, he runs or whatever that he gets, I think they're just like a self-sustaining company at this point. You know, like yeah. I doubt he needs to go to the office every day. I yeah, feel like true. I'm dealing with crazy people. That's his one line. He gets his <laughs> he gets his cameo in this. <laughs> Wanted to crawl out of my own skin for basically the entire runtime. Yeah, yeah. 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 It was not done by the Sadfee brothers, but it could have been. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised Charles Bowen didn't crawl out of his skin by the end of this. I just yeah. felt like that was what I expected him to do. Yeah. Just walk around skin. Let's go. God, I feel so much better. I'm a butterfly. Like this one liner, though, you guys, because it's like I wanted to crawl out of my own skin. Four and a half stars. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. No, relatable again. <laughs> There you go. So those are Letterbox one-liners for May December. Please, please, please follow our Letterboxd HQ account yeah. at Movie Night Extra, where we're posting up stories of all the many movies that we cover on this uh, very show, and you can read all about it and interact with us and all those things. Uh, you can also uh, follow your host there. Ugh, this is harder in this view. <laughs> at, <laughs> uh, at Always Flacco. Um He's not even going to try with this one, as far as being funny, is what he's talking about. Uh, but well, as far as coming up with a pun, I was like, I'm yeah. not going to try to. <laughs> I get it. I get it, and I respect it. Uh, so he's he's logging all the stuff on Letterboxd over there that, uh, that, that we're, we're watching for the show and beyond. I, of course, am Salacious Grump. <laughs> I did change it. I totally was going to change it. Uh, that. Uh, at Kona Neutron uh, on Letterboxd, uh, you can follow me along for the Criterion Challenge. Make America salacious again. <laughs> Doing the highbrow, the midbrow, the populist fair, all that stuff. Uh, film school dropouts. Probably not going to be furiously logging as much stuff um, in, the, in the coming weeks, but I'm, I'm, I think I'm pretty consistent. I don't know. I like to think so anyway. Uh, uh, um. uh, I'm Christina. Ugh. June, January over there. She's on Letterboxd. She, she pops on now and again when, when, it, when it suits her. And, and, and no other time. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can follow her as well. J. Andrew World, July, just July, is at right about now to you. Watching all the weirdest stuff so you don't have to. Or maybe you can. Mm -hmm. Oh, trust me, I don't. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> oh, harsh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so harsh, I, I, I interrupted my spiel. Uh, watch all the weird stuff so you don't have to. Or maybe you can't. Not for me to judge. He's doing it either way. So uh, I, I think it's there's still a lot of Doctor Who in the mix, but I've noticed some um, some, some other stuff that's not is, Doctor Who episodes. Is he so. is he how you found out about so many beavers? 
Weirdly, no. I found out about So Many Beavers, and I was like, this is the most J. Andrew World movie ever in the Discord, which we'll yes. get to. So, yeah. Credit where credit's due. Uh, um, let the record show. Uh, <laughs> KT is at Movie Runtime on, uh, uh, what is it? The tick? Tick tock. Tick, 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 She's on the tick tacks at movie, movie runtime. It's formerly known as musically. It's, but it's little deadly creature, I think, right? On the, or is it Katie Zombie Hunter on Letterboxd? Well, you have a Letterboxd thing. It's great. It's little deadly creature on Letterboxd. They allow But if you're on movie runtime, the link in bio goes and shows you all of this stuff. Right. But if you don't know what that is, then you can just do what I said. So, Uncle Alligator is going to need to have his assistant log into it. You know what I mean? Uh, Lauren. Oh, my God. See, that's really hard to do. I don't know why. Why do I still do that? That's dumb. Yeah. It's the dumbest thing to do when there's a pack panel. Uh, Lauren is one of my oldest letterbox friends. at. Lonely I, I love Herd. that fact about us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And uh, she made hot dogs for everyone. You can follow her on there. Uh, always a, a, a great follow because she has great taste. And that's why we I've like seen her. everything. She's, she's, seen, <laughs> she's seen a lot of the movies, folks. That's what it comes down to. Uh, I think we got a word from our sponsor and then we'll hit it with the plugs, right? Tonight's podcast is brought to you by Yebiga, a Balkan Rakia spirit, plum brandy that springs Serbia to the American shores in an authentic and appreciative way. Care of Billy Gould, basis for Faith No More, and Rakia Appreciator. Rakia is a traditional spirit enjoyed at weddings, funerals, and life events. However, more and more, it's being enjoyed everywhere on a night out with friends or as a casual drink. Get a bottle today in liquor stores and bars across America. Go to yabiga.com to see where it's available near you. There you go. There you go. I think I might actually see him in our, uh, in our, in our show in San Francisco. We'll see. Nice. Try to get us, try to get us all some Yabiga. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a good idea. <laughs> uh, July. Just July. Give us the plugs, why don't you? All right. If you're watching us on YouTube, please do those YouTube things. Like, comment, subscribe, hit the bell. And, of course, the big ask, uh, because we serve the algorithm, watch the video to the end. That allows us to be discovered by other movie fans, but that allows you to get to hear that great Coda Neutron song. That's right. Um, if you recognize over on Twitch, uh, you can do the Twitch things, throw us a sub. And the big thing about uh, Twitch is if you happen to have an Amazon prime account, you can subscribe for free. doesn't cost you anything, but actually does help out the show. So, so thank you for doing, uh, uh, for doing things like that. Um, find us on social media. We're on, uh, blue sky threads, Facebook, Instagram, and, uh, I guess we're still on Twitter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah yes. i mean it practically is uh truth social at this point <laughs> um, I've, I've, I've talked plenty about the topic i will say no more yes but, but i agree we are on all the things that are scrolling beneath us but yeah uh you know find us whichever social media site of your choice you know find us say hi and we'll say hi back we're probably at least partially on it. Yes. <laughs> uh, join our Discord. Like, it's hopping right now, and it's a yeah. lot of fun. Um, so hot. So hot right now. Coming in hot. <laughs> yeah, I, I share alligator pictures. It's great. I think Uncle Alligator needs his own channel. He needs his own yeah, channel yeah. to speak on this show. Thank Just, you. Just uh, Uncle Alligator <laughs> memes, and that'll be it. Yeah, there's, there's enough of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I steal mostly from Gators Daily uh, on Twitter, which... Uh, <laughs> Wow. Gators Daily, that's my office, kid. <laughs> which, which honestly is a great account. Um, uh, if you're on Twitter, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to plug it. Uh, follow Gators Daily. 
already done. Your uncle alligator gets a piece of the action. And of course, if you actually want to directly support the channel, uh, we have a Patreon. Uh, the Patreon allows you to get access to our after parties, um, yes. which we, we do give them away for free when they're live. But after they're live, you can't see it again uh, unless you become a member. So so join. You can see other people's um, takes on uh, their their you know their picks for um, uh, the Oscars, and you can also yes. see us go completely off subject and talk about weird stuff. Right. Christina and I are producing this month, so it's, it's been we're being very militant. It's it's very yeah. there's gonna be no yeah. farting around this time. No <laughs> no astonishing talking so. birds tonight. We're gonna no. stay on topic. Maybe a little bit. We'll see. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. Uh but we're gonna have to, I think tonight we're doing KT's and uh, uh Lauren's uh Oscar picks, right? Are we doing that? I don't want to stick around because I got some hot takes, you guys. Yes, oh, I'm waiting for it. Well, we're we're all She's picking people not even nominated. I am, I am voting on my conscience, not a yeah. well, because that's conscience. yeah. And what we're doing is is we're doing who we think will win and who we would have would like to win. to win. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's going to be Gilda all the way down. It's Golda, but sure. Golda, yeah. it's Gilda too. No, right, it's Gilda Radner. She's nominated in my heart all the awards. Best actress, Gilda Radner. What Gilda a Radner. What a dame. Bless her heart. And uh, posthumous. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, that really just came at you. Uncle Alligator, please. Andy's changing the plugs. Yes. How dare you? Uh, especially those Conan's plugs that we're going to do because uh, he's That's up right. there telling it uh, on uh, uh, Protonic Reversal. Uh, just amazing, like guest after amazing guest. Right, there's a, there's a lot of them. <laughs> they're yeah, really good, and there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, they're like coming out two a week, and I can't even keep up with it. Like, uh, I can't remember who was on the recently. Uh, okay, so I just had Norm Westberg of Swans on yesterday. Nice. And before that was Steve Turner of Mud Honey, which was fantastic. And mm. uh, then Steve Hodson of U.S. Nail, USA Nails. Before that, nice. And Peter Prescott of Mission or Burma. Before that, and that's like a one week period. So. It, I, I'm going to be on tour, so that's going to be. That's not going to be keeping up for the next like two no. weeks. But uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of reasons to care about Protonic Reversal, which of course is the thing behind me. If you're looking at this visually, absolutely. And, and of course, if you want to support uh, Protonic Reversal, you can go over to Patreon and uh, hop on the Patreon there. It's a dollar a month, people, and uh, you get $1. access to these episodes early. I'm once again asking you to contribute one dollar to Protonic Reversal. <laughs> and of course, uh, you know, Conan's been hinting at it all night, but uh, he's part of a band called Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. We're going out on tour. That's right. Boom, there it is. That's, that's I'm gonna a, I'm going to uh, fake sick from my little shop of horrors rehearsal to come see you in San Francisco. Conan. No way. That would rule. Because I thought we were gonna play Santa Cruz when we got added to the LA show. And it's like, oh, that's probably gonna be way better for a Monday. Oh so. yeah, no, the, the LA show is gonna be lit, but I'm definitely gonna want to come up to San Francisco. So on on the fifth, unless you're in my cast, uh you didn't hear this, but uh yeah, I'll be sick that day. Parody, wow. parody. <laughs> I'm just stoked that there's that you know, someone, from, I think, from Christina's uh, Twitch. I can't remember who. Someone, someone is coming to the Bakersfield show, which I was like, oh, oh that's yay. great. Hell yeah. Oh, Maddie. Yeah, one of my mods. They're they're cool. They're cool. That's right. Yeah, it was Maddie. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I'm from the Central Valley, and this is the first time Secret Friends ever played Bakersfield. So it should be a good show. should be a good time. Hell yeah. 
All right. Newtownfriendsalbandcamp.com, of, of course, oh. for the for the uh, yes. for the records. If which... you can't make it to the show, go there and get some music because there's yep. lots of great stuff there, uh, including some albums we mentioned tonight. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got in a couple. I got in more plugs in the plugs, and it was naturalistic in the conversation too. So that's the best kind Beautiful. of plugs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dan. <laughs> Instead, people so just go like disassociated for 10 minutes when we do this. <laughs> so go back and listen to this episode and then, then buy all the albums that uh, Conan mentioned. Right. In order. And, you, and show yes. your work. Yes. <laughs> do your homework. How many albums how, how, did, many albums yeah. did Conan mention? All of them? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like the train problem, but with records. <laughs> and Thank of you. Course. Anyway, the train problem, everybody. That kills on Ben Burgess's show. Yes. Yes. The famous train problem. Yep. People talk about the trolley problem, but we need to be talking about the train problem. Take it to yeah. Cleveland. And uh, Christina is over there. On... <laughs> yeah, just move on, please. Yeah. <laughs> <That's fast. laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, Christina's over on Twitch and now on YouTube. Yep. Yes. Hey. Yes, cool. So, so um, yeah, uh, you have anything coming up this week? Um, just gonna stream, gonna chill, we're gonna vibe, go over some stuff, news of the week. Um, also, if y'all are in my Discord, we are doing a rewatch of It's Always Sunny Philadelphia. We are almost done with season four, and we started nice Thursday, Friday, something like that. It's, it's, it, it, I'm losing, I'm losing track of time. Are you doing like one a day or something, or what's the we're almost doing like a season and a half a day? Wow, oh, damn, that's a lot of time. Yeah, we just got done watching uh like this like Sweet D has a heart attack where they pray tribute to one who flew over the cuckoo's nest and um, yeah that was that was a good episode. I don't think I can handle that. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> if you want to get if you can you, you yeah. should go to Christina's Twitch. Apparently that's happening. Yeah, or Discord, yeah. whatever it is. That's how he does the yeah. plugs. I don't think about this exactly. <laughs> and of course, uh, there's a Patreon as well to, to support Christina. Uh, mm -hmm. Patreon.com/slash/cosmopolitics. And, yep. uh, you know, go there, support her. We, we, we love her. So we love our please. Christina. Yes, we do. See the support. Um, Show your work once again. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> but, but post your uh, receipts online um, exactly. yeah. with your credit card number. We'll kick you and, right uh, out of here. <laughs> Mother's maiden name. Exactly. Blood type. Yeah. What street <laughs> you grew up name on? Of your, yeah. Name Retinal of your scan. <laughs> Hometown. Wow. That, that show is hardcore, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think they just want to steal our identity. That just kind of sounded like they were just getting ready to... Uh, yeah, we're fine. Yeah. No. Uh, and of not, course, not our show. That'd be like yeah. another show. Another show. Nah, we're, nah. When you become a patron, you must give us your social security <laughs> number. Right, right, right. <laughs> and the answers to all of your, uh, you know, your, your, your questions. Like, what was your first pet? Your security <laughs> question. No, it's fun. It's a quiz. Yeah, what did you, you grow up on? Identification code too, because we got to add that on there. <laughs> right. is that, is My that mom's maiden name is what's yours? <laughs> <laughs> right. What a what a long form grift that would be. Jesus Christ! I mean, like talk about thousand mile walk in the desert for an ice cream cone. I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. And then the kinds of people that watch, like you know. Like a movie podcast from this this Sosa, like you know the whatever. Like they're like, yeah. oh, there's fifty bucks in this guy's account. Right, right. Like, <laughs> wow, they, it was, it was, they did two hundred four episodes and they launched into phase two, <laughs> which, is, which is apparently petty. Our theft. our audience is living paycheck to paycheck, huh? <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah, 
there's a cat. <laughs> they were just cosplaying. As yeah. A, My 15 year old boy. Like a baby. He's 15. What's his name so that we know your security question? Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> but he ate my first pet, though. Oh. Right, Andy, continue. <laughs> yes, KT is over there on the uh, Starwell Foundation, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm finally going to listen to you on this tour. Yes. Yes. Well, they've uh, consolidated it all to one place on uh, Spotify and Apple and all those other stuff, so it's even easier to listen to than ever before. Exactly. No excuses. But yeah, so so you can check that out. It's uh, superheroes uh, in a uh, yeah. I, I screwed up the pitch already. <laughs> do you want do you want me to do it? Do you want me to just do it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no. Okay. It's I just a world where superheroes. It. Okay. No, no, it's gonna do it. It's a world where superheroes exist, and they have a like Make a Wish Foundation for children to meet superheroes. The children start to ask to meet villains, and our protagonist is in charge of hooking the children up with meeting villains and controlling those situations. I want to live in that world. Mm, I get to right. play one of the villains. I get to play a, uh, a tele- telepathic Russian. A villain, and then I also Ooh. get to play the host of the true po- true crime podcast ah. inside the show. Stop! Right. That right. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, well, you can go to opinions may vary, and uh, you know that's uh, uh, mm-hmm. and, and get it there or uh, any of those um, uh, you know whatever you get your podcast from. Mm-hmm. Starwell Foundation. Yes. Our wealth foundation. So yes. Look up those words and type it into the Google machine and ask Jeeves about it. They'll get you. Yes. And and of course you can find uh um you know uh KT's movie Girl in the Basement on YouTube, which I always like mm-hmm. to play. It's a great film. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Uh and again, if you like just type my name into into the Googles, you'll at least get to my Instagram. Um and that has a, a like Girl in the basement is right on there. Very easy to get to. I keep uh, asking Jeeves about shit, and Jeeves points me pretty much exclusively to AI art, and then is like, "Why?" Like trying to prompt me to like draw a, an upper class British man in a nice house, and I'm like, "Jeeves, I'm not gonna do that." Then he's like, <laughs> and then he's like, "That he's like, can you can you make can you make that uh, British man in a nice house? Make him have a family, kids, you know, and, and a mistress <laughs> on the side." I'm like, "Jeeves, what are you what are you doing? Why are you trying to get me to do all this?" It's very detailed, lady. <laughs> yeah, very detailed. <laughs> Bit of a tall ass strange. strange strange yes and of course of course you know there's there's movie runtime which uh y'all should be checking mm-hmm. out on tiktok uh and, and tiktok go go download it now to your pc china's trying to get into america's hive mind through the tiktok mm-hmm. you can download 5g internet from my feed <laughs> on tiktok through your teeth Little boxes made of ticky tacky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and of course, uh, what if I don't like it? Uh, available mm-hmm. wherever you get your right. podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. Conan was just on, right? Goddamn right. Yes, Conan was just on, and we were talking about Moonstruck, and it's the last episode. If you go there right now, that will be the one you see first. It's a nice, juicy, long one. It was super fun. <laughs> You tell him to snap out of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I kept telling him that, you know, I lost my hand. I lost my bride. I lost my hand. hand. I lost my bride. bride. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the Uh, Lauren, the conceit of the show is that uh, KT digs up, uh, like, if there's a genre or like a star or some kind of thing that people don't like, she'll like dig something up for them to. I'm gonna be on it. I'm gonna be on it. I've got, I've got a good one coming up. Good. It's gonna be juicy. I might. We can tell them right now. I love it. Yeah. Okay. We'll tease it now for the for the fans. Exactly. Um, I 
hate gore porn and uh slashers and just like 2000s horror movies or oh. so i think and so okay roger katie, ebert yeah so so miss katie is going to make me watch nice uh green inferno Green Inferno. All right. Okay. I thought you were going to one. Oh God! <laughs> I, I'm just gonna, oh. I'm just gonna torture the poor girl. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm so scared and so thrilled when, when I when I told my my partner about it. They were like, "The Bear Jew." Like, yeah, it's by the Bear Jew. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. And his wife plays the main character, so it's a really loving like gift that he gives her this role. But also, you're like, man, these people like, I guess they belong married. It's yeah, a the bear comedy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's also a woman. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so there you go. So that's coming up. Yeah. That's, yeah. Coming up. that's that should be exciting. Uh, yeah, he really, Eli Ross really did play the bear Jew. I like bear <laughs> Jew. It's it's so fun. I, I feel like I almost think of that as like two different people, yeah. knowing that they're knowing full well really the same person and having watched his like uh you know like his horror history of horror movies show. Yeah, like those are two different guys. It can't possibly be the same dude, right? Yeah, yeah no, it's two mm -hmm. Eli Roths. Uh, just one's a bear Jew and the other one's a director. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, one is a director, if not you know the bear Jew of the cinema world. People are saying this if it horrible. if it was a kingdom, if it was a kingdom, that would be the phylum. Yes, absolutely. And, and Lauren, you you have a play coming up, right? You said Little I do. Front I got Lord? two because I'm crazy. Oh. Um, I decided that I was going to uh, do an opera and a musical at the same time while also auditioning for a third show. So um, where you can find me is if you live in the Bay Area and you want to come down to Santa Cruz, have a, a beach day. It might be raining, but you could still go to the beach if you want to. Um, and then in the evening, uh, come by and see Sora Angelica, a Puccini opera in one act. Very accessible mm -hmm. for people who have not seen nice. opera before and Puccini. lovely for people who are opera connoisseurs. And I have a little uh, featured part there and it's going to be beautiful and great and you should come. Um, you're, and you're then living your Fitzcarraldo life. Yes, I was going to say, no, really, y'all should have had me on Fitzcarraldo. I had a lot to say. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, so the opera is coming up this weekend. And if you can't make it this weekend on such short notice, that's okay. In two to three weeks, you can come see me in Little Shop of Horrors, where I'll be Hell playing yeah. one of the urchins. Um, and I'll be singing about Skid Row. And that's going to be in Moss Landing. So if you go to at uh, Suburb Survivor, all of the information will be on there where you can come see the show. And then, nice. of course, I'll be on KT's podcast. And mm -hmm. I'll probably be back on Movie Night Extravaganza to talk about the Oscars also. So. Oh, that's yes. right. Yes, my yes. dress came in. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hey, welcome. Oh, and so snazzy. Before we go, I do want to just also say I'm doing a trivia night on Discord tomorrow with like oh, real cash right. prizes and stuff. So you should come on do that with me. It's uh again, if you go to my Instagram, you'll see it. But it's La La Rewards, which is a movie app uh, that rewards you for engaging with them and leaving movie reviews and you get free nice. movie tickets. They're doing a rom com trivia night, and I am hosting the trivia along with the La La Rewards. Uh, like the face on TikTok, his name is Tristan, and we're gonna give away either the first prize is oh god, it's it's that comedy that I forgot. Anything but you, anyone but you. Is that anyone, the name anyone, of it? Any, is that the one with the, that that just came out now? Yes, yes. Yeah. We're giving away a, a Blu-ray of that is first place, Ooh. along with a twenty-five dollar Fandango gift card, and then enough points to get a free movie ticket. Is that the Second. Criterion Edition or no? no. <laughs> yes, I believe so. It is. You know, wait, somebody somebody posted this thing that is. I thought it was, that was still uh, in theaters. How is that out on Blu-ray? Anyway, whatever. I don't care. It was. It was Verna Tortsog 
And it's, <laughs> it's life is pain of absurdities. And wait, life is a parade of absurdities and pain. And then we die alone in fifth. So yes, little girl, I shall buy a box of Thin Mints. <laughs> I just yeah. uh, want to add, since, you know, we, we've kind of been touching on some very uh, important topics, uh, you know, uh, there is help out there if you are sexually abused. Mm. Um, uh, go to, uh, you know, online.rain.org and you can actually chat with somebody uh, about this online if that's how you want to do it. Or you can call the number at uh, 1-800-656-4673. So um, there, there is plenty of help if, uh, you know, if uh, that's not quite how you're being abused. I have a whole list of numbers, um, but I just wanted to... You, kind don't, of just, you don't got to read the whole Yeah, list. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but... I just wanted to put that out there because I think it's important that, uh, uh, you know, this is a very serious issue and we've had a mm -hmm. lot of fun and we're going to have a lot of fun in just a moment. But I just wanted to, uh, yeah, you know, just take a don't moment. Put it that, don't put it that way. Come on, man. <laughs> we, we, we had a lot of fun tonight, but, you know, we're going to have more fun. But before we do, we uh, yeah, got final thoughts. Be serious here for a moment and just put that out there. Yes, thank you for that, Andy. Very important. Mm -hmm. All right, Absolutely. that has to be it for the plugs, right? Please tell yes. me that's all it yes. is. Okay. Yes, I don't. I don't have anything else. Great. Yeah. You're not going to read the whole list of numbers, no. <laughs> Lauren, final thoughts. Um, final thoughts. Um, you know, this movie. I don't think it's a camp classic, um, but um, <laughs> but I do think that it is a classic. I hope that it will be. Uh, evaluated and reevaluated and studied in film schools here on out. Um, I think the performances are some of the best for every single person that's in them. Um, and I can't wait to see more of Charles Melton. Word. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Charles what, Melton. Full frontal wasn't enough for you? <sighs> Charles Melton. Our hearts, our <laughs> <hearts and> minds. <laughs> Katie, <laughs> final thoughts. Pretty much everything Lauren just said. I think this is an underrated movie. I think if you're doing the Oscar rounds, that you really would be doing yourself a disservice to, to pass this one over. It's also on Netflix. It's incredibly easy to get. Most people have Netflix. And some really wonderful performances. It's it's a, it's an easy one. Just don't watch it on a date. Don't watch it on a date. <laughs> at that. least at least not at least not at like a first date. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna be going on the first date in a few weeks, so maybe I'll take y'all up on that. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Report back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, report back. May, December. He was so into it. You're like I had to go. <laughs> this is just like May, what happened. May, December. <laughs> you're like this is just like what happened to me when I was in high school. And you're like, oh, all right. Well, this is I'm stepping into quite a bit here. What a movie for a date. <laughs> right, who's next? What's up? All right, uh, Christina. Final thoughts. This film was snubbed. Snubbed, I tell you. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Count Snubula. All, all, those, all those actors and pedophiles in the Academy, they're like, I can't. Hey, wait, is this fucking yeah. movie about us? For a moment. <laughs> Andy, final thoughts. The Just for the line, this is what adults do. 
should mm-hmm. have gotten Natalie Portman the nomination for Best Supporting yes. Actress. Yes. But like, yes. you know, there, there, are, there are multiple moments like uh, that in the film, but I think that was just one line reading right there was just like such a gut punch. Um, yeah, there's all, there's also the, the same, the, like the, their, their dynamic or whatever. There's also that one line where she's like, uh, she's like, yeah, keep this between you and me or something. And it's like, don't do that tonight. To Charles yeah yeah and then and then of course the the uh julianne moore like like the 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 one thing we didn't really talk about is how that last scene almost recontextualizes parts of the movie whenever she's like reveals that yeah no her uh she knew all about like her, her you know everything that her uh son said um which is just like oh that 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 hurts uh and unsaid boulevard <laughs> um yeah it's just um oh my god just just those two performances are so good and uh probably some of the best of the year um and and it's a shame that they're not getting uh recognized for it we did not need naiad we did not need it nope yeah i don't i'm not gonna watch a movie about swimming yeah, Nyad's seen it. I've done enough. I've done enough swimming. Nyad's seen it. <laughs> you've seen I've, someone swim once. You've seen them all. Yeah, I get it. I, I, I swim in high school. I have. I've seen enough swimming. It's too much. Swimming. I swim yes. when I want to. <laughs> I swim. float. <laughs> I don't know if I swim. I float though. We all float down I mean, here, kid. <laughs> I, I, saw, I saw enough uh, enough swimming in uh, zone of interest. Uh, <laughs> No, oh. there was there was there was you know they 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 went canoeing a lot in that movie. They had the pool in the backyard. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the very large pool that was on the other side of that fence. <laughs> uh, they had a, a regular pool, but Conan, final thought. Yeah, what a setup, boy. Uh, thank you, <laughs> thank you for that. Appreciate that. You don't have to go on before a better act. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, we've spoken a lot uh, about this already. This is stylistically impeccable, meticulously acted, uh, just a nuanced, multi-layered, slow boil of a film full of powerful and uncomfortable moments. And I mentioned before, Todd Haynes always seemed to shine when there is an unorthodox domestic situation where someone is cornered Mm -hmm. or trapped, and that's precisely what this is. Yes. And it's unsettling, smart, sadly provocative, if that's a thing. And uh, all the performances are fantastic. It's it's devastating. Hits even harder on second watch. And it's a film that's only grown in my estimation. And I think it's sad and true to form that the Academy snubbed it. And history will vindicate this smart and challenging film. Yes. Unlike Julianne Moore's character in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're going to jump over to the uh, after party that I already have set up. So I got to send the link. All right. All right, see you you guys in uh, in January, you know, June, January, (laughs) January Jones.